Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 276. I am Peter, and we have a full house this week. Matt is here. Hey, what's up? And Matt's big enough to fill the house, so the house is full. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll get I, on with the people show. People say I have a big personality. <laughs> it matches the big head and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> that was very brave. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I need to crack a joke. I don't know where else to go with it. Uh, Connor's also here, I suppose. I should mention uh, his presence. You should. You should. My presence is always felt. Even when it's not yeah. here, the lack of it is felt. Sometimes it's like a demon where you don't want it there, but it's stuck here. <laughs> Just can't get rid of it. Yeah, I mean, don't don't, don't worry. I, I will often crack jokes at your expense, even when you're not here. Just to make sure that the, yeah, <laughs> the aura... True remains I, I assumed as much yes just, just pretend i'm still here and just like well, the, the presence is there but it's yes this is a dc comics podcast we get together we've read a bunch of dc comics and we talk about them it's really quite that simple coming up on this week's show it's actually the biggest list of books we've had on an episode in quite some time today we'll be talking about batman 115 nightwing 85 catwoman 36 batman secret files peacekeeper issue one Sorry, Peacekeeper 1, issue 1, just to say it properly. Uh, the Flash 775, Superman Son of Kal-El, issue 4, Green Lantern 7, Catwoman Lonely City, issue 1, Batman Catwoman, issue 8, Refrigerator Full of Heads, issue 1, and Connor's got a Patreon book to tackle with Undiscovered Country, issue 14. So, uh, yeah, hefty, hefty week. Short, short, short week um, for, for reading. Very busy week. I'm surprised I got what I read. Read. Yeah, I mean, so, I I read nine books, three of which were oversized, and that was, and I feel I feel quite happy about that. But that was still cutting. Like I didn't, I didn't read Peacekeeper one. That that was like a Matt yeah. only read uh, that book, yep. and yeah. I like when I read Black Manta issue one last month. I said, oh, you know, I'll probably try and read issue two if it's not in a busy week. Well, <laughs> well, busy week, yeah. busy week, very busy I, week. I intended to get caught up on that one too, but then I saw the amount of books and recording. A day earlier meant I had one yeah. last day. I, so. I mean, ultimately it came down to, uh, like, I'm sure Peacekeeper 1 was probably fine. You're, you'll tell us about it later. But yeah. it was like that or the Catwoman Black Label book, which just seemed more of an interesting number one to try. Uh, yeah. There's definitely a couple of things I intended to read but didn't. Then I realized I haven't read any of the book from last week. And I had to at least read the uh, the Fear State tie-in Urban uh, Gotham, Urban Nights, yeah, you, whatever that was. You could have asked didn't think about that did i i just thought no. oh yeah here's the time i best read it <laughs> that, I, that was a waste of 20 minutes 20 minutes to, uh, to be fair i did kind of like how the last story sort of became a fear state tie-in because it started off in the future and i, f- I felt betrayed at first and then it kind of time traveled into being a fear state tie-in <laughs> yeah I, I don't think it's bad as an issue but it, as I mean, you definitely, yeah, no, that, me saying you could have asked as an indicative of the quality it's the yeah. Uh, indicative of the length of that book and you could have read another yeah. two other books and, instead. And then it, it turns out I, I opened up uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue four, huh? read huh? the first page and was like, I didn't read issue three. Shit. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. I just, as soon as I opened it up, I was like, God damn it. So that's another book I need to go back and read. 
good stuff. Dang. So yeah, lots of books to get through this week, which is why I'm glad that if you didn't check it out, me and Connor did like a bonus extra episode, which I told you about what we were going to do last week, but just in case you missed it, uh, there was an extra hour or so episode uh, just about DC fandom news with me and Connor. Now, admittedly, only a tiny bit of it was actually comic book related, but still, maybe of interest, uh, and it means that we don't have to spend like an hour talking about fandom. <laughs> on this episode which is good news i mean so. if we'd had to we could have cut it down but I mean, we, yeah we probably wouldn't really went as in depth as we did because it was a separate thing and there was no reason to hold back but yeah you know uh so hey ho uh that's good stuff uh but have no fear there's always time for everyone's favorite segment of the show what about that <laughs> Hey, 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 they'll be top... You got me last week, too. <laughs> been a while. Been a while. Top 10s live tonight. It's been oh. like a month since I've had to hear one. God damn it. <laughs> top 10s live tonight. 40 years ago! <laughs> top oh. 10s live tonight. Oh, is that how long you've been doing top 10s for? That's what it feels like. It. <laughs> no, I'm just... Uh, you know, if, if no one's getting my reference, I'm, I'm making fun of Halloween Kills, and... Um, uh, I was pointed out, I watched the, the Red Letter Media review today, and they made a lot of the same points that I made when I tore it to shreds yeah. on the two and a half hour episode of Screams After Midnight, but uh, one thing that they'd also pointed out that I hadn't really realised was how often in the movie someone mentions the fact that it's been 40 years since the, the first mm-hmm. night, and it's like, oh shit, yeah, they do say that like every five minutes. Over, yeah. and over, It's and so over. weird that they did that this time, and not in the 2018 one, which was Closer, right, to 40 years. You know, I feel like I like it a little bit more than you two both did, judging from Twitter, and I know from talking to Pete last week before I had seen it, um, and whatnot. However, my re-watching them, my big problem with with the the first, the, the 2018 Halloween, is that no one seems to recognize Michael Myers walking around Haddonfield, right? Like, and and yeah, they're doing a, a true crime podcast about it, Yet, jump to Halloween Kills, and there's a mob of people actively searching for him when he was just running out there. You know, I mean, I have way bigger problems with before. Halloween 2018. Like, but, I mean, on this particular point, I would also say that in the first movie, and by first movie, I mean 2018. Uh, do you know what? See, yeah. when I was in the streams review, every, t- every time yeah. I said the first movie, I had to specify what I meant. Because technically, technically, this is three, right? Which, which I didn't realize until I had watched it a second time this week on on uh, Peacock just to, just to really rub salt in that wound. And, um, and the amount of silver shamrock masks, I get an extra kick out of now. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, that's the problem is the movie's all nostalgia. It's all referencing moments from the original. There's nothing new. Added. So bad, though, no, that, that one's fine. But like, that's all yeah. the movie is. It's all just, Hey, remember this moment? Remember this moment with the hand and, in the and, glass, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, on Matt's then, point, on Matt's yeah. point and the first movie, a character actually points out that given all the things that happen in the world today, someone knifing three people 40 years ago isn't, relatively speaking, that big of a deal. Cut to the next movie, Evil Dies Tonight! Evil yeah. Dies Tonight! <laughs> Evil Dies hey, Tonight! Let's kill a lot more than three after this. <laughs> I know the body count in this one is... Like, it's just another example... Of- the highest body count of any Halloween movie. I mean, everything yeah. has to be bigger with modern movies. That's the problem, is that there's no, like, every, everything, there has to be 40 kills now, because three's not enough. It, I, I described it as it's it's the part in Death of Superman where Doomsday is just heading towards Metropolis and just laying waste to everything. So, 
Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, you got to think it outside of maybe Zombies Halloween. It probably does have the highest body count, right? I think it's higher than most. It may, yeah. those. They're, they're bloody terrible movies. Don't be wrong, yeah. but yeah. and there's definitely obviously there's deaths in them, but I don't think there's actually that many. They're just very oh. extreme. Yeah, I mean, the Rob Zombie movies are still worse than Halloween Kills, but Halloween Kills yeah. is a train wreck in almost every level. Real, real quick, okay, okay. Curse Curse of Michael Myers or Halloween Kills? Oh. Which one's Curse? Remind me. That's six. six. That's Paul Rudd. Oh, that one. I had more fun with that. I, th- I think I actually get more of a morbid curiosity out of Halloween 6 than Kills. Okay. If nothing else, just because it's got such a weird, like, convoluted production, and there's two cuts that, if you watch both cuts, you can sort of see how they just, like, how certain scenes were just completely rearranged to, yeah. like, into well, a new they format. Well, they man in black character, right? I mean, I, don't remember, I, I hate the plot. Of six. I hate the cult. I yeah. hate all these reasons given yeah. to make. I hate. I hate so much of that movie. It's it's terrible. So, but, I listened to a show this week, real quick, about um, Halloween Four. That Carpenter wanted to do after the Silver Shamrock, you know, story. Uh, have you guys heard about this? Um, maybe depends what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so had so in this one, it jumps to ten ten years after the events of the first film, um, and it focuses on Tommy Doyle and Lindsay Wallace, and um, about how Haddonfield is now banned Halloween, and that the neighboring town is going to have like a Halloween movie marathon at the drive-in and Haddonfield trying to get it shut down because they don't want to attract the bad vibes from that night, 10 years before. Um, but someone in, you know, the shape returns, but is it the shape? It's kind of doing a, a, um, a, uh, Friday the 13th, um, five kind of thing where you don't get a good look at it. And then, and then at the end, it ends up being Michael Myers. But as the town grows more afraid, he grows into the size of a kaiju. And they and they end up having to blow up cars at the drive-in to defeat him. I wish I was making this up. Uh, that would have been more inspired from an ID perspective than it, Halloween Kills us. John Carpenter okayed this. I mean, not necessarily good. Like, I don't I, think he cares anymore. No, no. Uh, this was John, the 80s, Connor. John, John Carpenter has some great quotes about how every time a Halloween sequel is made, yeah, it's t- yeah. terrible and you've seen them and most of them suck, yeah. but every time they make one, I put out my hand and magically a check appears in it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know... Because I go, well, how, how do you feel about this, you know, in Halloween? He goes, well, I just stick out my hand and a check materializes <laughs> and I, I get over it. Yeah, I mean, so, obviously, I, I recommend the Screams After Midnight episode of Halloween Kills because we dissect the shit out of that movie. Yep. Uh, all I will say, just to sum up some overall thoughts here, is that... Evil Dice Tonight. Is that Halloween 2 is a better hospital-set Halloween movie than Halloween Kills. Halloween 4 is a better... He returns to the town and there's an angry crowd of people. Significantly better. Better version of that than Halloween 6. And Halloween H2O is a better version of an older Laurie who's struggling with the, the trauma of what happened to her youth kind of thing, right? Yeah, Laurie's actually in H2O, so, you know. <laughs> the, the, and also when she's in H2O, she's not monologuing about evil transcending and bullshit like that. But, so, but, but Pete, evil dies tonight. Yeah. 
<laughs> Do you know what that's, uh, you that, know what? The worst part of that is that it's not even like one character says it and it spreads from them. A, a character says it early in the movie and then a completely separate character who never heard her say that says it, like, separately. Uh, it's... It, Oh, I hate it. I hate all of it. <laughs> yeah. As a Friday the Thirteenth fan, I I can shut it off and 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 just enjoy the uh, completely brutal, overly brutal killings mm. in this one. Um, so you know, I felt like more I was watching Jason than Michael. So you know, uh, in a lot of ways, yes, and that's part of the the problem. That's part of the problem, right? Like they're distinct characters, in yeah, so. Um, any, anyway, um, Although, the more Pete talks, the more he transcends, so we gotta stop him. <laughs> Although that said, I am kind of down for a, like a, a kind of satirical Halloween movie where it's just Jim Cummings versus Michael Myers for the entire 90 minutes. I will happily watch that. So, so re-watching it, man, Jim Cummings is so good in his, you know. I think he's completely he's in. out of place in that. Because I, I, as soon as he starts talking, I expect there to be laughs. I expect there to be like jokes that pay off because he's the way he speaks is such a build up There's to a, a deadpan joke, yeah. right? It's just the way well, he speaks. Well, that's because you're used to him from Thunder Road and and Wolf of uh, Snow Hollow, right? So where he also both plays cops. Yes, he's playing the <laughs> exact same character. Any of those? I didn't have the same problem. With this, uh, yeah, uh, no, association. I, and I, and I, I, I like him in this one because it subverts that. Is he's just playing a cop. Yeah, like, and and I, I say that guy. I love those two movies, and I think he's great. I think he's perfect as that character. I don't think it works in a Halloween movie, especially one that's trying to take itself so dead serious as this one is. Uh, but um, hey, Connor, watch Watch Wolf of Snow Hollow. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. Yeah, I've been meaning to. It's on the list, and it's it's, it's just kind of October suitable. You could you could get away with it. I mean, it, it does center around uh, maybe a werewolf. You know, and that's. I, I feel like it fits more than half the shit you watched, Matt. <laughs> I watched them. Oh uh, no! When I was in quarantine, I watched almost exclusively horror movies. Thank uh, you. There was a couple of questionable picks on your horror list. Like it's one thing to have one or two throughout the month that's kind of like, oh, this one's more of a kids' horror movie, so it's fine. But you had like yeah. two or three back to back that were questionable. It was like my cousin dates a vampire or some shit like that. Oh, one half a day with a vampire. That was. That's a Disney Channel original movie. Uh, um, oh, that makes it so much better. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so, but when the wife wants to watch stuff after you made her watch Slumber Party Massacre, then uh, <laughs> to watch Mom's Got a Day with a Vampire. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Matt? There's so much good horror that you've not seen, and yet I feel like you pick. You watch The Gallows Act too for some reason. Like you've got so much to discover, and you're watching The Gallows Act too. We're big, That's we're a point. Big I need to watch you know The Boy too. I don't. Gallows Act too. Because what a trash movie. Like, it, it's like below trash. Like, oh. yeah. I, I have plenty of time. You know, horror, I don't only watch horror in October. You know, I started back in September. It's probably going to be all year, you know. So, we're, uh, well, 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 it'll be okay. Well, you got Christmas horror season to, to get yeah, to I in do. December. I'm, I'm going to try to keep Shudder and just not tell Ash that, you know. Mm. So we can, I can, I can finally watch Black Christmas, the original. Well, oh so, yeah, watch the original Black Christmas. Watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, I've seen New Year's Eve. I haven't seen Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, watch that. And I also recommend Part Two, but you kind of can't watch them in the same year because, like, half of Part Two is flashbacks to Part One, so it's kind of <laughs> awkward to watch them close together. But the half that isn't flashbacks is worth seeing. So that's why it's still a recommendation. Is it worth seeing because it's good or just wild? 
Oh, wild. <laughs> well, that's, and this is what I realized. I love slasher movies, and sometimes the worse they are, the more I like them. Because I'd rather have something wild like Slumber Party Massacre than something that's just boring like the first problem. Was it the original Slumber Party Massacre you watched? Yeah. Yeah. The second so, one's yeah. even more wild, Matt. Believe it yeah, or not. I know you told me. And so I've been watching, since I have Shutter right now, the History of Horror series. Mm. And I, of course, we watched the slasher one first. And they showed clips from um, Slumber Party Massacre 2. <laughs> and it went, Pete was not underselling me. Or, or overselling me. He somehow undersold me. It like, turns into a weird, demented music video where the killer still uses a power drill, but the power drill is actually the end of a neck yeah. of a guitar. It's, yeah. it's insanity. Uh, Which, and, and seeing that Timmy liked the remake, um, I'm going to have to track that down just to see. Um, but Tim also liked the boy, so... Yeah, I know, but this is the thing with him. I don't know if him liking the boy is a joke or not. Yeah. Anyways, so, 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 there's a scene that you both know from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, though, just before we move on. Uh, uh, you know, you, you've all heard, it's garbage day! You've, oh, you've yeah, seen that clip. Uh, yeah. Right, there you go. Garbage day. Yeah, that, that's, that's Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Uh, um, what, one, once he gets out of the hospital, or once we start getting scenes of him out of the hospital where he's like trying to like, date people and stuff, it's gold. Is absolute gold. It will definitely be on the on the to watch list. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, but yeah, we're I gotta see what's on the docket for tonight. But definitely something good. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Very ambitious. So okay, I mean, it's October. We tangent a bit into horror movies, but there is time for the comicsology top ten. The more he lists, the more he ascends. <laughs> That's so- it. Stop that on a shirt. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so uh, that's uh, I mean, guesses for number one is DC. Batman. It's Batman. <laughs> Funny that. Shock. Oh, hey, Batman sells. Batman one fifteen at number one. Uh, number two is X Men: The Trial of Magneto issue three. Oh dang. That's the thing. That's still going. It's issue three or five. So it's not been going that long. Yeah, they've been speaking about that for so long. I thought it was over. So that's still going. I'm like, it's actually three car. <laughs> Genuinely, they they were talking about that so far in advance that I, I thought it thought it ended. Uh, number three is another DC book. If anyone would like to guess, a DC book. Let's I'd say see. it's one of two things: mm-hmm. either the Batman Secret Files or Nightwing. It's Nightwing. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, so Nightwing doing all right. Number four is the Critical Role comic book. That's your one, so there you go. <laughs> Have that. Uh, number five, we're back to DC with Superman, Son of Kal-El. So that's doing all right, too. Uh, yeah, I heard that those, um, you know, we didn't really have any news to talk about, right? But heard that five pre-sold so well, right, that they are doing second printings of which one is, four. Yeah, that's the, uh, the coming out issue. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were saying that its its, it's, it's numbers are off the charts. Yeah. Thankfully, has a new colorist working on it. Yeah, well, more, more on that when, when we get to talk about that book. Cause, sure. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, if you occasionally hear a noise that sounds like a ship yep. that's trying, like a shrutter's like dying, it, it, it's uh, it's, it's massive. Someone the flagon, it's trying to leave port. <laughs> uh, when when we do take a break for a second, I could probably try to. It's not that warm today. Yeah. Can, well, it's uh, October. 
Yeah, but I also live in a city that doesn't recognize seasons. So, you know, uh, it, it's it's a comfortable 84 here, which in your guys is real temperature. I yeah, I uh, my watch doesn't do it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I'll try that. to get that uh, taken care of. I bet it's still in the 30s. 28.9. Oh, it's close to the so 30s. 29. Comfortable, my arse. That's not comfortable. That's, that's, that's hell. That is literally... Yo, I almost needed a jacket like, this morning. <laughs> that is literally the hottest this country ever gets in, in peak summer. That is hellfire is and brimstone. That's what that is. Never come here when it cracks three digits, guys. Oh, jeez. Uh, don't have to ask me twice. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic Issue 10 is number six. Number seven is... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Pete, you you want to try to take a guess what the High Republic actually is? <laughs> um, the look of fear on his face then. Like, it's <laughs> it's a uh, it's a republic of um. Uh, let's say there's a couple of Jedi on the cover. Let's say there's some Jedi Republic of sorts. I don't know. Is it, is it set before the you know the the Skywalker saga or after? Or during. I mean, that could be too. It's, it's probably not that given that I didn't give him the option, but yes. I, 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 I mean, I feel like you saying that's supposed to like mean something to me. Like, oh, there's like a meaning to it if it's before, a meaning to it if it's after. And all I can think is, I don't care or give a shit. So <laughs> I'll say before. Okay. Yeah. Is it before? Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, a few it's, hundred years. It's a few centuries before. Maybe it's okay. like two or three hundred years. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, meet me on this tie-in fluff. Got it. All right. Uh, number seven is Batman Catwoman issue eight. So uh, that that's squeaked out of the top ten. Uh, number nine. No, eight. Yeah, that was number seven. Yeah, number eight is Thor issue eighteen. Number nine is the Flash seven seven five. And then number 10 is actually the final volume of Lock and Key, uh, which is, they're all on sale, so they're all kind of, like, sprinkled out the top 20 or so. Uh, so that's neat. Uh, but yeah, that's not a bad show for DC this week. After last week's pretty dire DC uh, yeah. representation, this is actually a nice even thing. In fact, if I, if they actually beat Marvel quite a bit because there's a couple of non-Big 2 books in there. So uh, five books in the top 10, not too bad. And a couple of them... You know, I, I think Superman, uh, Son of Kal El, sort of starting to trickle up there a little yeah. bit. Uh, Flash got that, got that Tom Taylor rub. Yeah, and Flash kind of surprises me a little bit, but hey, good for good for Wally. Yeah. So cool. Surprising. Yeah, uh, right after the top ten, it's a bunch of lock and key stuff because it's mostly on sale. Uh, with a couple of Marvel uh, and other things sprinkled in. Did Did you guys realize that Joe Hill was Stephen King's son before, like, when like you just saw his name? Like, were you guys familiar at all with him before? Well, I knew, but... I when think we, but, for as long as I've been aware of who he is. I mean, I, I didn't know the first time I saw his name, but, like, it depends when you mean. Yeah. Like, do you mean when they announced so, him like, for, say... Lock and Key was, like... I remember seeing Lock and Key coming out. It says, from Joe Hill, you know, novelist, whatever. But uh, up until recently, like, a couple of years at this point, I didn't realize he was Stephen King's son. And then I finally saw what he looks like. And there's, without a doubt, he's cute. <laughs> he's... <laughs> Stevie King's son. Like, 
Um, yeah. I probably didn't well, know he was Stephen King's son when I first saw Lock and Key. Yeah. Like, sitting on a shelf. Yeah. And saw so the name, the, the, but... So, so the pen name did work then, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I mean... It depends. Did Pete read Lock and Key before he knew? Uh, no. Uh, it didn't work that well then, did it? Didn't pick it up. Well, no, but I mean, I don't pick up most people if uh, True. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'll say that had he not gone with the Hill last name, his name would have been Joe King. Well, I, I think... got to be a Joker pseudonym, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that was that's Stephen King's sense of humor and probably yeah. why he wanted a, a pen name, which was more, uh, yeah. I don't know. Hilarious. More normal, less silly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Um... That's uh, top ten. Uh, good week for DC. Uh, so that's the top ten in comicsology as of right now at the time of recording. Which this week is Friday evening. So mm-hmm. uh, there you go. Um, but cool. Now I didn't find any news, but Connor is desperate to talk about paper. So uh, uh, paper is a very interesting topic right now. It's not exclusively paper. There's uh, there's crises of all sorts, of course, but there is a paper crisis. Um, that isn't just maybe going to affect comics. It it will affect comics. It is affecting comics already. Um, so there are like two parts that have come this week. One's a more general one. One's a bit more specific to the UK. Uh, I'll start with that. Um, Diamond UK basically emailed all the stores in the country, kind of saying, yeah, there's been a lot of problems lately with uh, you know, shipping and you know, air freight, whatever, which obviously is a, a global thing across all industries. We, you know, we've, we've all seen that. Uh, but the, there are you know now paper shortages which are causing some problems, uh, and specifically that's causing some packaging problems. Like um, some companies are not able to uh, bag and board all the you know the the higher ratio variants to stop because they, they used to you know bag and board them before shipping them because uh, obviously they sell for a lot. So to protect them even more in transit. They would do that before they got to the store, and now they're they're sending out you know notes saying yeah we can't actually do that anymore because there's a board shortage now because of this. Uh, so everyone stock up on your boards, I guess is what I'm saying. If you if you want to bag and board your comics, yeah. Luckily, uh, my shop does it for us because it just makes for a cleaner presentation. Well, yeah, but will they yeah. belong? Because yeah, that, this is the thing. You know, this is where it's going to affect consumers. Well, as, as long as as long as they can keep getting them. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I just know the owner prefers it this way, and then they don't have to bag and board when they're putting stuff in. My you know, store bags and boards all variants, but just gotcha. bags, regular mm-hmm. colors. Gotcha. So, yeah, it, it will vary store to store, but that's definitely going to have some impact on some people. And, and for the UK specifically, uh, Diamond UK basically said, yeah, it's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be rough. Things are not going to come on time at all. We've already had a little bit of that. I mentioned, I think it was last last episode I was on with the uh, Swamp Thing, where that was delayed by like two weeks, so I had to kind of had to double dip and grab that digitally. Did get used to it. Basically, they're saying at least until after Christmas, it's going to be like this. So that's rough. And then specifically with the the paper shortage, Image put out a statement today, um, saying that from from this moment on, including things that are already you know being ordered. They are not doing any second printings or anything of any books at all. First printings only. There will not be any reprints because they don't have the paper to spare and they need it for the, the new issues. 
I mean, if there's any hits in the next few months, they might become very valuable <laughs> if there's no second yeah. print. Yeah, exactly. There will not be reprints, <laughs> and there will probably be lower print runs as well to accommodate for that. Mm. It's usually, obviously, they, they get all the shops order and they you know do a little bit extra of, of a certain percentage to cover things that might come in later. They won't be doing that anymore. It'll be just what is ordered. So I would suggest if you don't have a pull list with your store, may want to set it up because they might not you know stores will probably yep. have to cut back on what they're ordering because of this and and really be clear with what you want too like because if stuff goes it goes i still never was able to track down that uh, uh hell it's what was it hellarism like five hellarism there it is that was issue yeah. three i think it was because issue three. three so you know uh lesson learned Maybe they'll do a a thing. You know, you know, a lot of old comics didn't survive because they actually encouraged people to recycle back in the day and yep. and whatnot. Uh, maybe they'll do a new thing where yeah, everyone should donate their issue eights of Wonder Woman so they can recycle them for new issues. <laughs> I do it. I have three of them, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the biggest comic horror stories I've ever heard was they were renovating a house, like an old, you know, house that was built in like the nineteen tens. And uh, they had found a a completely torn apart Action Comics number one that they had used for insulation in the walls. And it was like, oh, man, these people had no idea the value of something like that would have been. So, yeah, insulation. Yeah, and it's funny because obviously you have the spectator market, but by the time people realize comics could could be worth something the fact that everyone tries to go out their way to get a hold of them means that then like the ones that are worth something are worth something because people no one realized they were going to be worth something right so, so they became right. very very valuable uh right. nothing from the last decade i mean yeah sure some variants that are whatever might go for like a hundred or something but you know it's not action comics one <laughs> like yeah. it's not millions which uh the only things that will even potentially come close to and they, they won't be, they, they won't be action comics one. nothing will ever be action comics one let's just jump at that but but you know have real value are things with minuscule print runs things yeah. that are like mm. incredibly indie comics you, you know borderline self-published things that will then get picked up down line you know maybe a decade I mean, later and turned into something those day, might it's, get it's whatever people assign value to i remember when people would come in and when image was on that hot street and just buying whatever image number one was that week, yeah. hoping that it, hoping that it was going to be a hit, like Sex Criminals or whatever else, whatever the big, uh, what was that Hickman one? East of West. East of West. You had, you had a lot of big image books around that taste West, uh, Wicked and Divine. Yeah. You know, uh, so people would come Rat in and Queens. just buy it, and then my shop owner would say they'd never see them again because they were just there to buy the number ones, you know? So, um, but... But yeah, um, paper. This is up there with aspect ratios, the stuff that makes me want to take a nap. Oh, aspect ratios is way more interesting than paper. This has real-world implications for our listeners. He's <laughs> uh, true. You have a point on that. It's still just, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure as well, like, um, there was a delay to the new Justice League book, the, the Williamson Justice League Infinite. Was, Infinite. Infinite. Uh, whichever one that is. Incarnate, I think it is. But, yeah. Incarnate, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe part of that is related to printer issues. Mm. Oh, well, okay. Did someone get Dunder Mifflin on the phone. I'm sure they can 
They can sort it out. Oh man. Final recall was on as I was going to bed last night. Such a good episode. Which one's that? That's where they have to go and uh, someone put the watermark and they have to go back and uh, try to try to make good. So Jim and Andy go to the high school. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Creed spends the time getting that lady fired. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. It's an all timer. Oh. All right. I think we're ready to move on, are we? we yeah. We, we can talk about comics now. We've talked about the making everything of comics, else. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Batman 115. James Ty in the fourth writing with Bengal on art and Jorge Menez guesting for like two pages. <laughs> yeah. So uh, get that out of the way first. But um, yeah, so this is next chapter in Fear State. Uh, kind of more of a downbeat chapter. Uh, I, I think this is one that's more about setting mm-hmm. up kind of where we're getting into in the, the end run. Um, I think the change in artist does unfortunately hurt the mood quite a bit because of the and I, and it's especially worse because when you get to those scarecrow pages which are the pages that Jimenez is doing and it's like oh this is what it's supposed to feel like and it hurts because I, I love Bengal like absolutely fantastic artist I really do and if that, that was just the look of this bat book in general I, I'd be all in this. yeah it, it takes it from a dark and gritty to an almost pulpy it's like that's it's it's so different and yeah the cartoonish mood. in comparison to Jimenez which is what we've had for this arc yeah it's the the contrast of it that hurts the book not that not that the art is bad it, yeah really... it's just not the right vibe it just it feels it feels like someone turned on a light and started vacuuming yeah <laughs> like it's you know in terms of the which, the mood yeah but it does work in like the ivy scenes because those are so different than what's going on up in the city i'm pretty so sure scenes... bengal did some of the art on the early Batgirl Rebirth book after Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah which, possibly, you know, yeah. like, it suited that book a lot. This not so much. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think the art's bad, typically, uh, but there is one or two panels of Ivy that I think are a bit rough, where she looks like she's, yeah. like, six years old, uh, and it kind of bugged me. So, uh, a bit smooth in the face at times, uh, for my taste, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, this is kind of... This is the... If you remember the end of the last issue was... Uh, Peacekeeper 1 uh, blowing up Peacekeeper X. So it was this big moment where Scarecrow convinces him to do that because Scarecrow's in his head. Yep. So this is Simon saying, reacting to this at the start of the issue, kind of freaking out, saying, well, let's go get his body because his brain still might be kicking, you know, sort of mad scientist stuff. Like, yeah. We can still use his brain. <laughs> That's very Robocop. Yeah. Uh, right. I, I, mean, right. I, I mean, hell, the magistrate are very OCP in a lot of ways when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. That. That line reminded me of someone calling ambulance. Um, <laughs> um, what is that? The director's cut, Pete. Well, the lines in both cuts, but in the director's right. cut, you see all there's like an extra thirty seconds of the guy being just torn to shreds with machine gun yeah. fire. That it's it's a funny line. Like and the and the theatrical cut, it's like a serious line because you know maybe there's a chance he could be saved. But in the yeah. director's cut, he's clearly just a puddle of blood at this point. That it's a funny line. So. Yes. Yeah, go go get his brain. And I was <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah, but then then some analyst is like, hey, we've been doing some readings of uh, the city, and uh, we think the ivies, you know, got roots under the under the entire city and could you know collapse the whole thing if if she wants to. And... Yeah, worse than no man's land. 
worst. I'll admit that line did uh, annoy me a little bit. It was it was like shoehorning the, the title. I mean, I, I I'm actually cool with them referencing that time period. I think that's a neat idea, especially if you're trying to describe what happens if the entire city has what will be essentially a massive like quake. But actually forcing the title of the story into the sentence yeah, is annoying. It never felt like they called it No Man's Land. It was just Gotham still, you know? Like, so alternate line maybe something like since the last time we had a big earthquake. You know, remember what that did to the city? But it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Do you know what? I, I think what bothers me is just, it's actually one simple, it's one letter. It's the A. See, see, if it was just when Gotham was No Man's Land, I think it would read probably just fine. But when Gotham was A, No Man's Land, actually sounds really clunky oh. to me. Because um, I'm sure it was referenced as a No Man's Land at some point, you know, during I think it's because it is grammatically correct to say right. A, No Man's Land. Yeah. But the fact that we know this was a big event back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it does feel a little bit clunky. Yeah. yeah. I- I think if he, if he, because if he just kind of owned it and, because if he said when Gotham was No Man's Land, it kind of just kind of owns it and says, no, people refer to it as No Man's Land and it would feel more natural. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying that always works. I hate, whenever they say zero year, I just want to vomit. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's stupid and no one would call it that. Uh, but at least that would make more sense. But I don't know. It's, it's like they're, they're trying to have their cake, but also eat it in the sense that, but we don't want to like actually kind of use it as if it was a title. We're kind of pretending it's not a title, and it's almost more insulting because of that. Right. But anyway, so uh, so Saints like, ah, oh, we're going to go after Ivy now. We've got a new target. We can bring this city down and take back control with Ivy. Uh, and we cut to uh, Ivy, Queen Ivy in particular, uh, with uh, Master Wise, and we get some of Master Wise's backstory about how he kind of started off with uh, the Mad Hatter. Uh, that's where some of the tech was developed with. Um, More on Mad Hatter later. Yeah, um, I, I find it funny how much he's starting to factor into Fear State. Oh sure. Um, yeah. Uh, we then cut to Peacekeeper One. This is when we switch back to the Jimenez art. Uh, it's him wandering in the sewers. Scarecrow makes his appearance. Scarecrow looks fantastic. I mean, I know we say yeah. that. Uh, we've been saying that for a lot of this he's, this arc. But... He's he's so creepy. Like, it's not, like, scary, it, but just him standing there so peacefully like that, it's just, it's unnerving. Yeah. It, no, it's just really good. It is, I mean, there's not really much to it other than, like, hey, you're my new, you're my tool. You're going to help me, you know, cure this city. Uh, and he's you know, kind of manipulating him, playing on his mind. And then, you know, just to skip ahead to the later scene, it's basically, yes, and I'm going to strap you into this machine which uh, turns out to be, you know, the the Batman and Miracle plot that we get to next, which is effectively they're going after the device that Master Wise uses to, you know, reboot people's brains. You know, keep the essential mm-hmm. skills and that, but reboot their their personalities so that they're they start. It, it from removes fresh. their trauma, as um, Miracle Molly says. Yeah, and but the, the the problem with that is that it's also kind of like storing all the data of what their trauma is. Which, yeah, bit a bit of a bit of a a flaw in the system. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's the, the the logic of it being the the algorithmic learning makes sense, right? Oh no, no, yeah. I, no, I agree. It, 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 the way yeah, she explains it that, does make sense. Yeah, but the the fact that it's just sitting, all the all these people's trauma, right, is just sitting there waiting for someone to come and use it for I, all the wrong reasons. And it's, that, it's very 
and that's what it becomes. Scarecrow has got a hold of it, and he's going to use it to basically just pump fear and trauma uh, into into the city, yeah, via Peacekeeper 1. So, like, all that stuff that it sets up is fine. I think what hurts this issue, uh, in terms of pacing, uh, all on the fact that the art changed, so the mood feels very different, which I think is maybe the biggest thing, but it is a lot of exposition. Like, like I'm not necessarily against Master Wise having interacted with Mad Hatter a little bit, but Throughout those couple of pages, I'm just kind of like, okay, this is like this is fine, but it's not that interesting or exciting. Like, I'm not like super no, engrossed do, in it. I do like it though because it just shows how Master Wise learned from Mad Hatter about kind of being who you need to be, you know, and that that wasn't you know what he needed to do. It wasn't that it was that he wanted to actually help people. So I I do like that the whole Unsanity Collective does come from a good place. It's just how they're going about it is a little bit off. Yeah, um, so it, I, I do. I do I, like how it, it just doubled down on on that with him. And I do like that it clashes with what Matt because Matt Hatter's whole thing is that he makes people not who they are. Like he intentionally right. turns them into someone else. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a nice contrast with that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's one of the things is you get actually you do get like a panel of Scarecrow with the other art uh, towards the end of the book when it's kind of like showing you you know various things. It's when Batman mm-hmm. and America Molly are talking. And you still see how much more plain it looks <laughs> versus the Jimenez version. Yeah. And it's like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. That, I mean, there were the right pages to pick. Right? If you're, if you're going to have Jimenez on three yeah. pages, there were the right ones to pick, but it still kind of hurts. So uh, there's a whole there's a whole action beat here as well, which just kind of felt inconsequential, which is the the big guy uh, from the Insanity Collective is guarding the, the machine. He's been, uh, you know, Toxin by Scarecrow uh, to defend the machine at all costs, and Miracle Molly has a little scene where she jumps up and like deactivates his big gauntlets, which give him effectively, you know, metahuman levels of punching power. And yeah, you know, it, it, it's just a fine scene. Uh, you know, I, I did like her cursing at herself for creating something so good. You know, like those gauntlets that she created. She has a, those are top notch. You know, and now they're causing a problem like, for her. I did like Superman would feel it, and Batman's like, yeah, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh so the issue ends uh, back at Ivy's lair with the the magistrate showing up and her getting pissed off and saying, "No, I knew this was going to happen by letting people in." And Simon yeah. Saint yelling, "Bring me her head." Uh so Yeah, it's an okay issue. I, I think it's probably one of the weakest, if not the weakest of all of Fear State because it doesn't like ruin it. Doesn't you know mess anything up? It's just you know the art feels like it, the mood's completely different, and I think most of the book is exposition. It's either exposition of Master Wise and Mad Hatter backstory stuff, and then it's exposition of oh this is the machine. Let me let us just explain this more for Batman. And I think because at least a couple of us had read the the Miracle Molly one shot, which I think told us what that machine did in a much more interesting way that mattered to the character. So it was far more engrossing to learn th- through what it was actually giving her because she was in such a bad place. Ha- having this dump of information from her explaining what it is again just kind of yeah. felt like, oh, yeah, okay. It's kind of frustrating for us as well because we read that, but it's essential to have that in here as well for mm. people such yeah, as Yeah, because I didn't, didn't like, read I listened that issue. to you guys talk about that issue, but... But you know, there, there are definitely lots myself. of people who are just reading Batman yeah. and nothing else that need to have that explained to them. Yeah, as frustrating as it might be for us, it's it's, it's a weird double-edged sword because I I completely get the logic, but it's not only just that I've already 
learned all of this elsewhere, but I learned it in a much better way. Like, the, the story mm. that was told in that one shot was really good. So, having it all kind of brought up here in a, a, a vastly inferior, just, like, let's catch everyone who's not reading the other things up, it's, it's kind of just awkward and clunky, and just makes that scene kind of boring uh, as it's playing out. Yeah, it it just plays into the the worst elements of you know crossover events, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, I think we're gonna feel that a lot in some of these that we talk about today. Um, just that you know, that's sometimes the price for a big crossover like this. Yeah, so some handle it better than others, obviously. I, I think this is just a really unfortunate uh, beat yeah. in this story. Um. I mean, it's not a bad issue. I I, I definitely think oh. it's. I, I I'm very lukewarm on it, and it's and it has in no way hurt my excitement for the next issue or the end of the story. It's not it's not negatively impacted anything, but this issue was a little bit. I mean, it feels harsh to say dud, but it definitely feels like a big step down from the rest of the issues. Hmm. Yeah, I have to agree. It's it's not a bad issue. It's an essential issue. But I think it's very telling that this is the fill-in artist, right? Is the mm. yeah. Uh, this is not. I think it's very clear. Kynan wants Jimenez to be the main storyteller right. on this arc. He he wants this to be Jimenez's story just as much as as Tynan's. And it, you know, I guess this issue is like, okay, what can I what can I write that someone else can draw most of that will be like fine, but not, you know, not take away from Jimenez being mm-hmm. part of this story in a major way. Yeah. So yeah, not that hot on it, unfortunately. <laughs> but hey, hey, it's not exciting for the rest of the story, so it's all good in that sense. Matt, what are you giving uh, the main story yeah. in Batman? I'm going to give it a 6.5. Connor? Uh, I'm actually going to agree with the 6.5. I was just going to go with a straight 6, but yeah, we're all mm-hmm. in a similar ballpark. Now, I actually read the backup to this. Uh... Oh, I'm shocked. I, I I did as well because this is the exact team yeah, that's that, doing the backup. That is oh. why, yeah, because I I I wasn't playing on it, and I got to like I, I just I always look at the first page <laughs> of the backup to see what it is, and I saw Batgirls, and I saw the names, and I looked at the art, and went, that art looks quite good. <laughs> I thought, huh. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have like a Google alert going that the Batgirls <laughs> book. <laughs> um, so naturally, I had I you know I had to check it, I had to see and get a taste of you know, the, and it's one of those things where. We know from, let's say, Nightwing, where the crossover stuff right now is is good, but not as good as the actual ongoing book. So yeah. it's like, okay, this is a taste of the main book, but presumably the main book could be a bit better because it's not tying yeah. into things. I'm, I'm also glad I read it because I think it was the end of, I want to say it was Nightwing, that was like, hey, check mm-hmm. out the Batgirls back up in, I think it's Batman 116. The yeah, next and that, this also refers that. back to the Batwoman story in the Urban Legends book as well at one point. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, so it was worth, worth me reading that. Yeah, yeah, there was there was a reference. Was it? There was a was reference. Because I mean, I read that too, and I don't feel like anything. I mean, outside of someone look, impersonating. I'm trying to justify Matt, it to myself. Yeah. Matt. Matt, there was an editor's note saying, "Go ch- see what they're talking about from this story." No, I understand that, but <laughs> does saying, it, it really enrich this it? story anymore? I don't think so. I oh, is it worth it? Oh, I, no, I, I thought yeah. he was saying, was it really referencing that, or was, or was it oh, ambiguous? No, 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 no. Okay. I meant, was it really like, do you need to? I don't think so. No, just but look, I I chose to read that instead of like two other books, right? 
that Cutter, I, I understand what you're doing. He's clinging to justification. He's, yeah. he's trying to cling to some some reason. And if you're There's trying to feel better about something, it's mine and Pete's job to, to swap that down and say no. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no. So it's a uh, Batgirls. It's a, a three-part mm-hmm. Fear State tie-in backup. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and given the Batman's double shipping uh, during Fear State, yeah. this will this will be a month and a half of uh, these these three parts. Yeah. Uh, which is a nice little teaser. You get a sense of, and this has worked for other books. You know, the 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 backup and detective that's building to Task Force Z has yeah. actually made me into that book. So I, I went back and started. I read the first part of that. Oh yeah, cool. So uh, when, when I have more time, I'm going to read the next two parts. Yeah. Since I have detective sitting there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only, I mean, it's only 10 pages each, so I mean, it's a quick yeah. catch-up, yeah. Yeah, but on a week like this... Oh, sure, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's After week. Monday, that was out the window. So, yes, uh, yeah, this is Batgirls, this is Cass and Steph and, and, and Babs, and the, the, only, the only real thing here with this, uh, com- you know, connected it to the other books that feels a bit weird is that it's sort of directly, like, referencing Nightwing, and Nightwing references back to this, kind of, but what's weird is, is that Barbara and this is completely Oracle the whole time, and in Nightwing she's like in the Batgirl suit and out doing Batgirl. Like my mind couldn't quite connect how they were syncing up. Does does feel like a slight editorial flub? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, especially since the the cliffhanger in Nightwing kind of says, "See what happens to them," and Batgirl's like, "So that's it." So she's already in the outfit before this backup. That's a bit weird. Okay. Um, well, so maybe this happens. So it goes. The bat, the the Batwoman story where they first see Cass with the imposter, and then it cuts to this, and then it goes to Nightwing, and then it goes to one sixteen. So, you know. Um, oh, did it specifically say one sixteen at the end of Nightwing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. So it's not it's not before this one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a little bit better. Uh. So yeah. So I mean, it's basically the magistrate are causing chaos. Uh. The big thing though is that Seer, whoever's taken over the Oracle network. Uh, is causing chaos and breaking up communications. Uh, Steph and Babs lose, con- lose contact with Cass, although we get some great action. I think, you know, the first thing I'll say about this uh, is I'm excited about the art in this new book because I really like the art in this. How did you feel about it, Connor? Yeah, uh, mostly a big fan. I think there's the odd bit here or there where it's a little bit angular for my liking. Very, very but I square, like the overall vibe. Yeah, very mm. square heads. Yeah, it's very cartoony. It's got, but it's got like a sort of a lot of detail in the line work. There's, and a, and it's, there's it, a flow to it too. There's a flow yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. I like the coloring. I like the the the, the color palette specifically, uh, quite a bit. And I, a I lot think of the um, the background work reminds me like James Stokoe. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, um, I I think it's kind of the perfect tone that I would actually want for a Batgirls book actually. You know, when I think of like, you know, my favourite Batgirl stuff from either Cassie's run or the Stephanie Brown stuff with Brian Q. Miller, not that they have art exactly like this, but you could almost take the the blocky art from the Cass stuff and then the the art from the Stephanie Brown stuff, and if you put them in a blender you you might get something that's not that far away from the style of this. Uh, so I, I kind of appreciate that. Um... So yeah, so they get worried about Cass, even though we do get a couple of great pages of Cass, like just tearing shit up because she's Cass. But Steph goes off to try and find her, uh, and is able to get to her. Uh, there's a lot of sort of communication and narration from whoever's mm-hmm. taken over uh, the seer character, who they do heavily imply is someone else that we might recognize when we do eventually, because you know she's got a digital like disguise. Yeah. So we so we might know who. I mean, maybe it'll just be a random person. It's just a disguise. So it, it could be that. 
they yeah. want to disguise so they're not immediately recognized. That's, that's well, probably good advice for a villain, right? Yeah, but we can it, talk about this in Nightwing. Sure, but I mean, it could also end up just being like, you know, oh, it's the calculator. Or... I was always one of my first guess as well. <laughs> I don't, I don't know do I think? think? Do I think the reason we've got both gone to that? Uh huh. Because the calculator plays in fairly heavily to that uh, Batgirl run. Yes, it, it does. Brown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also... he was trying to be the anti Oracle, right? Like that was his whole mm-hmm. mission. So... Kind of part, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's there's panels here of like Bat Bat. No, Bat. Sorry, <laughs> it's because I, I, I say Batgirl, but then I check it. I sort of backed out because I was like, no, I, I need to you, you specify need to be specifically. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there's like a back to back panel of Stefan Cass, and I think they do a great thing here where Cass. Uh, quite rightly speaking in short sentences, just one or two words, and Steph is a motor mouth, oh. so there's a, there's a nice contrast between them as they're, you know, as they're doing this. And there's a great little moment actually, that and this is where I really kind of like the art is. Uh, Steph says, "Cass, you know, you took out all those guys yourself down the sewers at this point. You're amazing and kind of scary, and you can actually see Cass getting kind of sad behind the, the the mask, and she says, "I didn't mean." And she's like, Cass, it's okay. We're bad girls. Scary's good. We're supposed to be scary. Yeah, scary's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I dig that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically, uh, Sears, like, taunting Babs and, um, you know, Steph and uh, Cass are trying to get to her. Uh, and it just kind of ends more or less about there as, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, Sears basically saying, "Hey, I've got eyes on everything. I'm, I'm, I know where they are. I've got eyes on you." Um, and it's, it's kind of taunting her with the uh, images of her dad saying, "I could be your dad. Wouldn't that be funny?" And then images of Batman and stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, as with a lot of these backups that are multi parts, you know, you know, ten pages is not a lot of time to get a, a lot of story in. Uh, but I did like the characterizations. I did like the art, and I did like the uh, the action. So I like the vibe. Yeah, the vibe's good. So. I'm, fe- I'm feeling more positive about this book now after reading this than I was before. Yeah, yeah, you it's, were it's... quite cautious, weren't you? Uh, the writing team has not like worked for me that well. Does, does it inspire a lot of uh, excitement in the? Yeah, but yeah, okay. yeah. but I, I like this uh, quite a bit, so I'm, I'm kind of looking for. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to rate a backup like this because it is just the first part of a story, and there's not yeah. much there's not much plot actually progressing yet. So. I'll say seven because of that, but I mean, in terms of like what I like about it, like I I feel much better about. It. So it's a, it's a big success in my mood, even if I'm not rating it like absurdly highly. Uh, what were you? What do you feel, Connor? Like a seven, like, if I'm giving it a number, like you know, it's good. I, I enjoyed what's there. I can't really go any higher than that because it's, it's there's not enough meat to it. Given that I don't usually even bother reading the backup to Batman, and I ended up liking the backup more than the main story this week, is a is a is a notable point to make. <laughs> yeah, a notable point. So, uh, fair play, fair play to Batgirls. I'm I'm ha- I'm happy. It seems like it's going to be good now. So, um, that's cool. I I will give it a seven point five since you jumped right over me. I didn't realize you read it, Matt. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <sighs> I don't think you read it. I'm sorry, Matt. I, I, I did not realize you read it. I'd been weighing in. I thought you were just looking at the art as we were talking about oh, it and no. sort of coming up on the fly. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's obviously not, got the I'm issue. Not, he, wait. 
I'm gonna read everything I read this week, but I'm not gonna read the Batgirls backup. <laughs> well, it was a busy week. I thought you might have said, "Oh, I don't have time for backups." I wasn't planning for. I didn't. No. I, I, oh, this is, this is a man that has time for Peacekeeper. Hi. <laughs> uh, Wait, I'm getting. Hold on. Uh, it's Peacemaker from Suicide Squad, right? I'm starting yeah. to get the yeah. two yeah. names confused. One. Yeah. Yeah. For a second, there, I thought. I thought Cora said the wrong thing there, and I'm like, oh, no, you're talking about that's from Suicide, that's John Cena. And I went, oh, wait, no. It's because I didn't say one at the end of it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of my bad, but I still definitely said the right thing. Yeah, it's Peacemaker and Peacekeeper. Yeah, that's the reason why that actually will get quickly confusing, to be honest. Yeah, it's too much peace. Yeah, too yeah. much peace. Not enough misery for Connor. Uh, <laughs> all right. Nightwing, issue 85. Tom Taylor writing Robbie Rodriguez on the art. Uh, and this kind of shifts the focus. It's still it's, Nightwing's obviously still there. It's still Nightwing and Babs, but this one shifts the narration and the point of view to Babs. Yeah. Uh, so, which is kind of nice because you know she's not had her own book for a little bit, and uh, I've been enjoying her characterization in Nightwing. So it's kind of nice to have Taylor sort of write from that perspective. Uh, when you know Taylor nails her voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, immediately I'm nailing a voice. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, right. Immediately, you know, you have like her sort of like summing up kind of what's going on uh which again it's kind of this necessary evil but it's a nice touch where you see steph and cass mm-hmm. again uh you see oliver and dina and wonder woman's like hey the oracle network is compromised don't believe anything you hear from it after this message kind of thing uh so you know dick and babs destroyer computers and stuff and they're yeah. like hey she's, she's got like a site too that's got a lot yeah. of the important stuff that's like sort of not on a network so it can't be easily accessed and stuff so that we need to go and deal with that like right now um but there's some, there's some great moments in here actually and you know, the art i think we said this a lot last issue which is like it's not as good as the regular artist but it's by no means bad art um, um I, I think it's spectacular when it does the flashbacks yeah, yeah fl- flashbacks are great yeah some, sometimes when when the artist does bab's face and the cowl especially the new cowl it looks a little bit wonky no, I but, agree, I agree with that. There's actually yeah. a panel right at the end of the book where Bab's head looks freaking weird, and I don't know what was yeah. going on. I do think the motion. I see all them like running on rooftops and jumping and grappling yeah. through the city. I think all yeah. that looks great. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say yeah. the sense of motion and action and everything like that. But there's there's the odd page where her head looks way wonky. And it's just like the design there, of the cowl or whatever. There's a panel towards yeah. the end. I think the one I'm talking about, where I think she looks like Marlon Manson. Like that is what I'd compare her to in the panel. Uh, I'll right at the end of the book, not the end of the flashback. End of the book, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I mean, if it's not, I'll, I'll point out when I get there. I'm just, I'm saying that from memory. Uh, but there's a great moment actually after the smash all the computers where Babs is like, "Hey, she set you into a trap uh, to 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 mess with me. It was never about you." And I just love the smirk in Nightwing's face. He says, "I like to think it was a little about me." Uh, it's just one of those things where the art yeah. gave it a little bit of personality, uh, mm-hmm. which which is always nice to see. So they go off. It's so it's got that thing as well when they're out in the city. It's got that thing that a lot of Future State had, which is the the blinding lights of Gotham, which especially fits yeah. in right now because they're doing that whole thing where the the magistrate have got drones and the big eye in the and sky it, yeah, and all that. It's a, uh, a techno, what do you call it? It's not a, like a techno noir vibe, but like there's a, there's a vibe to it. You can't think of it, but there's a word for it. Neo noir? No, no, there's <laughs> just like a, 
just with all the bright lights, but everything's still dirty, you know? Okay. Like, there's a... It's bordering on cyberpunk, to be honest. Yeah. Huh? Bordering on cyberpunk. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the word I'm looking for. But yeah. yeah. But, like, it's it's still... So it's still lit up, but it that doesn't mean that it's not, like, you know, still dark and gritty and whatnot. It just has that outward appearance. Yeah. Shh. Sorry. <laughs> that sounds like Mask got like a of strange noises yeah. from Matt. That sounds like Mask got like a little girl tied up in a basement or something. Yeah. And just so went, Shh. Just, my dog's excited. My wife's home, and she's starting to howl. And yeah. Oh dear. Hell, anyone can hear me. Help me. Matt's kidnapped me. That's enough. <laughs> um. So yeah, we get a flashback. It's sort of like when they're leaving the tower. It's uh, Babs like talking young Dick into like like going <laughs> out uh, on on their own uh, as Batgirl and Robin. So she's in the classic gray suit. He's in his Robin suit, and they're holding hands and jumping. No pants. <laughs> no pants. No. The, the the Robin suit with no pants. Yes. Uh, in fact, the next panel after that, when it comes back to present day, mm. I mentioned how good it looked when they were going through the mm-hmm. city. But that first panel of like. She's almost got that classic Batman thing where, like, the cape just kind of becomes a silhouette, uh, yeah. and you don't see her legs. Uh, and Nightwing's in the foreground. That looks really nice. This I love is... it with the with the lights behind them as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of good so... stuff. Uh, and the art later on does that thing it did last time. It keeps that uh, what I'm going to call the Samney Daredevil thing, where it sort of like yeah. goes into like the the, the like the device changing Closes. and then the little. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, you know, like it's like the little. Oh, it, it turns into a... Yeah, it's like an instruction manual. Yeah, it turns into like a smoke grenade or something in this one. Yeah, pellet. So, like, he, yeah. he manages to turn it into, like, a, a, a smoke grenade launcher. Yes. It's cool as um, shit. But in, in in between that, I like the conversation they have about how Oracle, or how how Dick is taking her to task, where he's like, you didn't think this was a bad idea, having constantly monitoring everybody? You know, an oracle in every camera. And it boils down to, well, now I do. Well, yeah. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time because it wasn't going to be misused because I was always going to be in control. And I, I love that's their dynamic, right? That he's the one going like, well, you're so smart, but how did you see this? You know? And then she'll call him out. You know, we've seen him call, seen her call him out for other, you know, things that he does they kind of so compliment just, each other it's just like yeah. she has the like almost the arrogance of bruce which is the mm-hmm. she believes she can control things like this yeah uh and dick's there to call, call call her out but dick's kind of the one who's more jump in head first without thinking and yep. she'll call him out on that you know, there's, there's a nice yeah. balance between them which I is love it really nice uh so good stuff uh so they, they fight past the the drones to to get into this uh the storage feels locker like a strange oversight that they don't have any sort of infrared vision like you know just just me i mean sure i didn't really think about it but yeah i mean like if i'm well, equipping state-of-the-art drones to fight in gotham against potential right. batman famous <laughs> for using but, smoke but but to that you would think that that saint would think that He's gonna have everything such under control that he's not gonna have to have them for red, because they have every other technology, you know. Yes, um, but they are befuddled of... by some smoke. Yes. Well, I mean, Simon's saying well, not as... just smoke, but smoke and Batgirl and, and Nightwing working together. You know what I mean? Like it's not just smoke. They're. I mean, they might as well be. They're know. blind. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Simon Saint, as we have seen, is not all, you know, he's a little unhinged and you know, this this is the sort of thing where you can almost do a comedy cutaway where he realizes you know, you could have him go, Damn it, I should have put it in for red sensors on, yeah. on my robots. Or he's having a panic attack and we're like, Don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I don't wanna know. You know. <laughs> I just yeah. you, you, I just imagine a techie spinning around in his chair like Mr. Saint, did you ever see the movie Predator? Because uh, I've got a few <laughs> suggestions of how we can upgrade our drones. Um, no, they'll just cover themselves in mud. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they get inside, um, and immediately there's smoke, and there's a moment here where Dick gets shot in the head, you know, a la like he did before. Um, I don't think that... I, like that. I, I think because of the smoke... Um, you immediately know it's not real, so I don't. I, I don't think there's anything and where the, the readers as well. What you're neglecting to mention is the smoke is green. Yes, that, that too. Um, but I think because I feel like you know if you describe this to someone, someone might think, oh, they're they're you know pretending to do the dick shot in the head again thing, and like no, but you know it's just a fear. It, you know, like knowing it's Bab's worst fear that she's seeing, and that's what we're actually looking at means that there's the, there was never even a question that this was real or, uh, like you know, it's, it's very clear what it is from the get go. Yeah. yeah, I don't like being reminded of Rick Grayson though. <laughs> yes, that's, that, that's my fear. That's, right there. I mean, this was dead Grayson. Not, sorry, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah this, this was just full on dead. Yes, uh, but you know, she's fighting the, the the perpetrator that she she believes did this, and just as she's about to get grabbed, uh, the gas mask comes on, and and Tim's there. He's he's got them both yeah. with respirators, and he's like, "Don't worry, there was fear talks, and whatever you saw wasn't real." And we finally have the Babs dick kiss. Uh, Babs just rushes over oh. to Dick and kisses him. Uh, and Tim goes, oh, finally. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> We're waiting for this. So, now, a sweet moment. Uh, if you've been enjoying their chemistry in this book, this is a nice... It, it, it's, it's nice to have a moment like this in the big crossover where, yeah, sure, the crossover might feel like a bit of a, a redirection from whatever the book's doing, and we'll go back to that soon. But having character beats like that pay off when there's a big crisis like this still makes you feel like it's a very valid part of the, the journey for the characters in the run, even if it isn't integral to the overall story that's been told in the run. So, uh, neat. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, they're going to shut everything down. Uh, Sears, you know, monologuing and giving them shit for it. And they can't figure out who she is, but Babs does say, yeah, but we can see your background, so we know you're up there. You know, you're in the big eye in the sky. And, uh, you know, uh, but this is when we get the big cliffhanger where she's like, hey, I'm monitoring your clock tower and some of your friends are there. And we see Babs and Steph arrive in the clock tower. Uh, our three characters run. So we get this great panel at the bottom of that page where they're, they're running towards the clock tower. And uh, the final page is the clock tower exploding and them looking up. And just and it's that final or, panel where I think Babs looks like Marlon Manson. Yeah, it's horrific. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. But... Uh, good ending to the issue, though. It's a good, like, cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And yeah. this is the one that says, at the end of this, read the, the Batgirl story in Batman 116, which is the next <laughs> issue, not this week's. Yeah. So that's fair. Follow up on, presumably, so, the Steph and The sad panel. part is, is that I think that top panel is really good. Like, you know, from behind, where they're all looking up mm-hmm. at the explosion. I think that looks great. And then the faces at the bottom just kind of, like, ruin it. <laughs> But yeah. um, so about the where where Seer is, so this person works for the magistrate. We're supposed to believe, right? Either works for or like 
like I don't know if they, I don't know if they're doing this at the behest of the magistrate or if this is someone okay. who's sort of doing their own thing. That's that's my question because they know now, like they know who Barbara is, right? Because in the the Batgirl story, she takes the form of of her dad, yeah, her dad and Bruce, you know, as Batman, you know. So if if it's someone working for the magistrate, then does that person know? the bat family already is and do they just not care i mean this or person this some... definitely does they, they kind right. of call them by name multiple times over I... various issues yeah. that they've had so which i think and it's not like simon saint seems to have that knowledge so i would suspect right. that this is someone who maybe is posing to work for the magistrate or has right. maybe just i don't know infiltrated on a bit of a power trip and not pass that knowledge yeah. along to simon saint po- possibly uh, it wouldn't surprise me though if it does turn out to be someone that we do know who would have maybe some of this knowledge. Well, is I didn't even think about the calculator until you guys yeah. mentioned. I mean, that. Saint's willing to work with Scarecrow. We we already know that. Mm-hmm. Presumably, maybe some Mad Hatter. Yeah, wouldn't put it past him at this point. Why not some of the lower tier villains as well that are just on the payroll? Yeah, and then the question is, is like, is because obviously this is adding to the fear in the city, so there's a good reason to think that Scarecrow might be ordering this, whoever's doing it, to, and maybe he's even using his toxin to control them. That's, that's possible. More, more of my idea is this person's working with Scarecrow more than they're working with Saint. They just, you know, doing what Scarecrow did. You know yeah. what I mean? Where they got in using Saint's tech, but they have their own mission. Um, yeah. Well, whether it's because yeah. this was something they wanted to do or just because Scarecrow's toxined them into right. sort of doing this, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, I think that's sort of thing we can't really theorize properly about until we know who it is. I feel right. like once we know who it is, we can sort of maybe make more definitive ideas about what their motive is. or If it isn't revealed in that same issue. Yes, that's true. Yes, I mean, obviously. That, that's very possible. Maybe a one-two punch. Uh, but yeah, I dug this issue, Nightwing. I think it's better than... Uh, the last issue of the, the tie-in arc. Um, not by a huge margin, because that was still pretty solid. Uh, and this is solid again. Um, still, I mean, still not as great as, like, what the book's doing when it's just on its own. But as far as tie-ins go... Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we got a, a solid tie-in. Redondo's going to break, so, you know, come back, recharge for mm-hmm, the next yeah. part of the book. Hopefully getting ahead on his issues a little bit, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I see no problems here. Yeah, well, nice characterization of Babs. Some nice sweet moments. Mm-hmm. Some some mostly good art with a couple of dodgy faces. Yeah, here or there. So, uh, not too shabby. Matt, what are you giving Nightwing? Eighty four, eighty five. Sorry, that's right. I'm giving it an eight. Uh, Connor, also an eight. Yeah, I, I'd probably go at 8.5 if it wasn't for that horrible last face. That, that's like a half a point. Just... It, it, you know what? You'd probably have forgiven if it was in the middle of the issue, but it's because it's the very last it thing is, you see that yeah. sticks with you. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the remaining image is this horrific looking Babs. It's like, what the hell? So... She's been Joker eyes, don't know. So yes, uh, that is Nightwing issue 85. And um, we will stick with Fear State. Catwoman, issue 36, Ram V and Nina Vakuva on the art. And this, again, you know, Poison Ivy's factor in it. This, but it's the other Poison Ivy. It's the, it's the, it's the kind Poison Ivy. Yep. Uh, 
So we've got that going, and a lot of this is about Catwoman and co try to protect her and get her out of Alley Town because the magistrate are coming for her. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that definitely implies that Saint, on some level, knows there's more than one Ivy, or at the very least, like suspects that Ivy's here and is maybe still responsible for all the vines and stuff under the city. Yeah. Regardless, uh, you know things are closing in on Ivy. Uh, I did like the small touch that uh, Catwoman quite early on refers to shoes as a Cheshire cat. And then, yeah. it's, you know, it's only a few pages later where you see Cheshire and the, the team of, like, anti-heroes, like, taking on the magistrates. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this feels like it's kind of inching us towards. Well, and the fact they're wearing such similar masks, right? Yeah. Like, and it it also... definitely feels like it's coming before the end of this run. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the, the run ends in, like, an issue or two, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think we get the new writer in January. It was in those solicits, right? Yeah, so yeah, we have, like, two issues left, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that kind of sucks, but uh, it sets up um, this uh, white witch, I think the uh, this yeah, villain, yeah. Um, and she's coming after them. Uh, a lot of the issue is effectively okay. What's her plan? We're really trying. Riddler's helping the comms again. Uh, although I'm still kind of a little bit dubious as to Riddler's like allegiance because if because he feels like he informs Penguin, and I don't know, no, if, he hundred percent does. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if they're playing to what Selena wants them. Too, but you know, we'll see. No, she did help him get off of whatever drug he was on, you know. So, mm. yes. You know. Uh, so, yeah, some fun fighting with the antiheroes. Uh, Clayface and and Croc, Harley and the Gardener show up, uh, and you can sort of see how the, like the two Ivies are going to be reunited with some of these because obviously the Gardener and Ivy, or sorry, Gardener and Harley have been Harley. more related to the other Ivy, the, the Queen Ivy and Batman. Yeah. So. You can kind of see how these these threads are going to connect in the near future, yeah. uh, but there's, there's some banter between them, which is kind of entertaining, and it's all about kind of they, they almost pull the uh, you know there's the start of Dark Knight Joker with the school buses, uh, mm-hmm. they, they kind of pull that with some trucks where all the drones can't follow the truck that Ivy's in because they've got like you know twenty trucks that all look the same, so right. uh, fun stuff, uh, and they take on. Uh, the uh the white witch uh, catwoman harley and gardner take on her and her, her troops and it's a pretty f- reasonably you know drawn fight scene some some nice art in there uh which leads to the cliffhanger of the book which is that the white witch is actually just someone that they've got tons of clones of and they activate two of them so there's going to be two white witches uh mm-hmm. next issue presumably and maybe even an army of them the issue after that so <laughs> we'll Sounds see fun. it's actually do you know what, it's because they're in a truck it made me think a universal soldier if you've seen Universal Soldiers, because they, they go around in this big truck and all of their their Universal Soldiers are all kind of asleep on this truck. It just kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Mm. I'm I'm wondering here if these White Witches have different abilities, because correct if I'm wrong, White Witch, the, the one we've been she following. Phases. She phases. She phases, right, yeah. 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 This one here, they, they specify versions 4 and 12. Why would you specify specific ones if they don't have different yeah. skills? Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, because if, if they were all the same, you would just say versions two and three assuming that the the first one was yeah, number but one you'd think just the next two in the sequence yeah right? and then they mentioned your power recalibration protocols so i'm like okay what well, i'm assuming they're different somehow i don't maybe they all phase but they do something different in mm. their own extra skills i don't know exactly but right. i'm intrigued i mean maybe if because they know this team of villains are helping cap I mean, maybe they're going to like okay we need something that can counteract clayface and something that can counteract you know, whatever, whoever else does. So, you know, I mean, Firefly is like burning tons of shit. Maybe we need 
Someone with ice powers. Go, we need another ice villain. That's all we need in DC Comics is... Oh, Mr. Need another one. Mistress Blizzard. <laughs> um, I thought the my, my one... I don't want to walk out of problem. The one thing that hung me up on this issue was... Ram V's voice for, for Harley, mm. I felt was a little bit... She was a little bit too obnoxious. I thought, like... Is this the first time he's written her? As far as we know? That's a good question. Uh, it, not... it felt shaky to me. Yeah, I don't remember him ever writing her before. That doesn't mean he hasn't, but I, I no. she's definitely not popped up in this book before. No. No, I would say I didn't feel she was that obnoxious, personally, because I think most of the time it, it was when she was getting hyped up or in the fight, right? Mm. Stuff like that. Where sure. she tends to be at her, her worst I, in, in and so regard. I guess it just comes to a personal taste thing that I feel that there's a fine line mm-hmm. when I'm meeting Harley that it just sometimes she's a little bit too much and I felt here this Harley was a little bit too much compared to the Harley that I you know Tynan's been maybe I'm just used to Tynan's Harley at this point yeah so, so that, that was my one drawback on the book because the art I feel is up there with with you know um Blanco had been doing the art like I would say it's step step and a half below Blanco's, but it's still, I think. Yeah, good. I think the, the art sells one of my favorite moments, um, mm-hmm. which is when they're sending out all the rest of the trucks. Because mm-hmm. uh, you've got Riddler, who's you know he's, he's at the comms, he's sitting there like, and he's put on know, his outfit, sto- stony mm-hmm. face, like staring dead ahead, and then he, you know, and then it, the next panel is like, send out the rest, and he, he just yeah. has this smirk. And I think, oh, that mm-hmm. that that moment there, the just the the. The interplay between the two panels is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting as well that he puts on his outfit, but notably he puts that on after he's made the Cotty Penguin, which to me said that he is the betrayer in some way because now he's turned into the Riddler, right? Maybe. You know, oh, yeah, he's, he's playing you know, his own game now. Yeah. Well, before he was setting his Edward Nygma in a t-shirt, now he's putting on his right. Riddler outfit and like, okay. Right. It was kind of a symbolic thing, I thought, uh, after the, the Cotty mm-hmm. Penguin, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we'll see. I think you know the art's good. It's not as good as the regular artist. It's in a lot of ways it's similar to Nightwing, where uh, good in the vein of the art, but not quite as amazing as the regular art. And that's just kind of par for the course, I guess. With these, yeah. Even even though Blanco's not coming back to this book, mm. this mm-hmm. run overall will be, you know, Ramby and Fernando and Blanco's Blanco, run. Yeah, like, you know, absolutely. You know, it did. Part too ingrained, even if you know he obviously didn't do every issue, but the vast majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's funny because you know I enjoyed Nightwing more than I did Batman this week in terms of fear state stuff, and I think Catwoman probably that rings true as well. I don't think Catwoman's as good as Nightwing's issue, but uh, I did have fun with all the plan coming together. Uh, you know, it had it's not quite a heist, but I mean ultimately it still functions like one, and that there's like a, a plan, and then you sort of see it be carried out. Um. I mean, they're not stealing Ivy, but <laughs> it's just effectively right. the same idea. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think that, that felt fun enough, and I'm kind of excited to see how the run wraps up in, like, two issues with all the Fear State stuff included. Like, are we going to see Valley again, or is Valley just... Is he, you know, when he walked off as a firefighter, is that just him walking into the night and someone else can use him later in another way? Uh he walked into Haddonfield. And this is <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to bring up Haddonfield. I knew you were going to make a Halloween reference. Uh, uh, um, I mean, really, there's one person out. that could stop Michael Myers. It's it's, it's Father Valley. Uh, 
that'll be a, a face-off I'd like to see. Yeah, right? Oh, so, dear. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about the issue overall, though. Like, it, it's, it's not as, um... I don't know, it's not as, like, emotionally intricate as, like, some other issues of Catwoman have been. No. It's very, it is very much, like, a tie-in issue, and, like, it still plays into I mean, what what's the character's going through, but it it's mostly just dealing with the plot of what's going on rather than any of the sort of more downbeat yeah, I mean, emotional moments. Those, those pieces that I really like are still there, though, like, with the anti-heroes showing up and them defending Alleytown. Still, there's still, like, a heisty quality to it, like, with the whole truck uh, gimmick. And all that stuff. So, uh, and also, uh, I'm a self parody at this point because it, it's got solid Ivy stuff, you know? <laughs> so, like, there's an Ivy storyline going on. So, I'm thoroughly, like, uh, again, I'm glad I, I went back and caught up. I say that every time, but it really is some of the strongest stuff at, at DC. Even something lighter like this, like, really enjoy. Yeah. All right, Matt, what are you giving it? I'm going to give it an eight. Car? I need to stop agreeing with Matt, but yeah, it's an eight. Stop copying me. Well, stop going first then. Uh, I can't control that. Oh, I, I will go with 7.5 on this one. Uh, yeah. Good, good, good solid tie in stuff. It still fits in nicely to what Catwoman's run is. Uh, and I do think it's better than the Batman issue this week. Uh, so, so cool. Uh, Batman Secret Files Peacekeeper 1, issue 1, James Tyne the 4th, Ed Brisson uh, with Joshua Hickson doing the art. So, uh, Matt, you read this. Yeah, so this is the origin of Peacekeeper 1 uh, and how we had heard through Fear State and the whole A-Day that when uh, when Arkham went up, he was the hero, right? And, you know, we found out that he wasn't a candidate to become a police officer like his father and grandfather because he failed, you know, the psychologist. What? I'm just laughing at Connor casually pouring booze out uh, once you start talking. <laughs> so anyways, um, that even though his, his grandfather, like we find out here, his great-grandfather to his father were Gotham City police officers. He couldn't pass the psychology aspect of the test. He kept trying. and um, So here we get into how he was raised and that... Um, we get some scenes with his his dad and him early on and how he was born in Gotham and he's a citizen of Gotham and that he's seen it at its worst. But uh, his dad tells him that, you know, when your great grandfather came from Ireland there, you know, the only place he could fit in is with the the police department. He got to become his own person and and then, you know, he got to instill order amongst the chaos. And then and also, you know, as he's telling the story, we're getting, you know, a in the art, the dad taking um, Peacekeeper One when he's a kid out with him to take care of some business. And you come to find out that the dad and his dad's partner take a, a good cop, if you will, out of the trunk and beat him mercil mercilessly for basically snitching on him. And we come to find out that the Mahoney's are all bad cops and that they justify it by saying like, hey, yeah, sometimes we work with people that we shouldn't, but they like order as much as we do. And come, you know, when Gordon takes over, that goes out the window. So the Mahoney's have this vendetta against Gordon because he gets the dad fired 
and you know um and then we get some more of the the backstory of mahoney is that when he was a kid he was on a field trip <laughs> every time you say mahoney right all you i think could, of steve gutenberg and police academy, and police academy. Yeah. that's all i'm thinking and i'm like is his dad steve gutenberg is this yeah. like no <laughs> uh, in my head because I, I watched halloween kills uh, last night uh-huh and i don't think it's the name of the, those kids in the flashback no it's, it's Melanie. But it was ju- it's just close enough that it it, it go every yeah, time that, I hear it I'm like that stupid movie. Yeah, that's the one that's like like you that says yeah. that yeah. The, the ginger one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Well, that Anyways, was because I, I think I preferred it when you were cracking the children of the corn jokes. To be honest. Oh sure. Well, <laughs> the, the, the weird thing about Amanda. that is I was sure that was setting up. So I was like, oh, we're going to meet these characters as adults in present day because they made the point of going, don't mess with the millennials, and then it never comes up again. Like, why did you have that big moment where the camera goes into his face and he's like. Uh, anyway, sorry, Matt. Let me go. <laughs> yeah, you're... so as Dad got got fired, he you know he's he's upset because he got busted by Gordon taking a bribe, and we see a younger peacekeeper one, and um, he's on a field trip, and the field trip uh, to the museum ends up getting interrupted by Mad Hatter, who uses his tech on the children, and uses them to steal art. And even though the Gotham police know this and that Batman broke it up, the dad's still pissed that his son got caught up with some of the Gotham, you know, super, you know, super villain trash. And it makes him feel inferior. So this is what leads him to try to get in to the uh, police department. He goes to see Gordon. Gordon's like, hey, I know your name. Your guys are well known. Just know though that I don't, I don't hold you responsible for what your grandfather and father had done. I'm, I'm for everybody making their own path. And Peacekeeper One tells him in the interview, he's like, "Well, no, they were good cops doing bad things for good reasons." And Gordon's like, "No, that wasn't the only thing your dad did. We have a file in the back, and he had to go." And you know, this leads to him working Arkham and how he feels that why don't they just kill all of these, you know, all the guys that come through Arkham. And one of the other security guards is like, well, no, this is job security, man. As long as they keep having crazies in Gotham, we're still going to have a job, you know, and they're never going to help them. That's what this place is all about. And it, he's very bitter because he always wanted to be a cop and Come to find out that that Jeremiah Arkham, uh, who's running the place, doesn't like his attitude because uh, one of the villains I have to go back and look um, was basically trying trying to escape or made a lunge at, at him, and he just beats the piss out of him. And Arkham doesn't like that, and he tries to cover it up by saying that he was. Oh, he was trying to escape. He goes, no, we, we have it on camera, man. It was, oh, it was uh, Mad Hatter that he basically takes out all of his frustrations on Mad Hatter as Mad Hatter's locked in the cell. Um, so they, they're basically going to let him go. And he's like, well, if they're going to let me go. They're not going to have their, their, their files. So he moves these big, like gas canisters that I'm not sure what they use for an Arkham. Um, but you know, that, that he's going to take out the hollow records 
uh, as as Joker is attacking Arkham, and he's kind of the reason why the big explosion at Arkham happened. That had he not moved all those canisters there, um, which then he goes back to save two two um, nurses who were using the oh they were oxygen tanks for you know in case there's a, a gas attack or whatever in Arkham. Um, that they're there trying to breathe so they don't breathe in the, all the toxin that's in Arkham. And he that's why he's there and gets blown up and gets made to be the candidate for Peacekeeper 1. And as as we're learning his backstory, we see him going through the sewers of Gotham, heading to, he's saying that he has to go home. He ends up going to his dad's bar that he opened after he got dismissed from the police force. And... Um, he realizes that he's like, well, no, I'm a good cop. You know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. You're the disgrace. Uh, and him and his dad get into it, and he throws him up against the wall and, you know, lets him know that this isn't who he is. He's Peacekeeper One, and he's going to go make this all right. Um, and that Scarecrow, he says, Scarecrow's right. It's time to show the city a new era. Batman's failed, and I'm their future. And uh, ends with a really cool panel of him walking off and in, into the horizon, and it's all shaded in red with a big creepy scarecrow in the back. Um, Hickson's art is, is really well done. It reminds me of uh, Michael Lark. Uh, it's just not as refined, so it really hits. You know, as we're talking to all about all the crime type stuff, there's kind of a Gotham Central vibe going on. Um, with all the cop shenanigans, and it really plays with the shadows. And um, you actually kind of end up feeling bad for old Sean Mahoney, except the fact that, you know, he still tries to justify his family's past and whatnot. Um, but he 100% is the hero of his story. Um, and this was something that I kind of begrudgingly read. Like, I was like, oh, you know, I missed out on the Miracle Molly one that you guys all liked. Maybe I should give this one a... a... And it ended up like... Liked it a lot. I mean, it's not, you don't need it for Fear State, but it kind of does fill in the gaps on Peacekeeper 1 uh, in a fun way. Um, so I'm going to give this a uh, 7.5. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's solid, but it was just, a, you know, because it's Tynan at least driving yeah. it, if not being the one writing the dialogue. Yeah. Well, he, so. does, he does the, uh, the, the plot, and then Brisson does the the story. Well, Tiny gets a story credit, Brisson gets the writing credit. Oh. Uh, so. a pretty solid writer as well, usually. Yeah. yeah. If, if I, if, yeah, it was just a busy week. That's the only reason why I didn't yeah. read this. No, it's, it's pretty solid. Just, uh, I mean, and again, it might just be the, it was giving me Gotham Central vibes, and this is just like uh, the other side of the coin of that. Um, but, but yeah, and just the whole dynamics of Gotham are really at play here. Um, that you find out the family's been working with a for the Falcones this whole time. So, yeah, it's, it's real good. If, if you have time, I would say go back, give it a read. If not, it'll be collected somewhere, you know, I'm right. sure. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at this point if there's going to be, like, a companion trade that has this, yeah. the, this you know, Malcolm Ollie book, and then maybe... It will absolutely just be a Fear State book. Yeah. yeah. Tales of Fear State. Yeah, and pro probably the two stories from... Uh, Urban legends that are really, you know, it'll be all these things that don't fit into their own full trade. We'll just get bundled together in some sort of companion book. Yeah. Uh, and then there'll probably be an omnibus or something at some point that has everything in reading order, but that won't come first. It never does. 
Oh, that'll be a little while. Away. Usually a few years at yeah. least. And it probably isn't big enough to be an omnibus. It's, I mean, unless it's like the last part of Tynan's run as an omnibus, maybe. But it'd probably just be like a big oversized hardcover. But, uh, cool. So yeah, yeah. so there was four Fear State related books this week. It's <laughs> a lot of Fear State. Sometimes they just bundle up awkwardly. Uh, so they don't give that much thought to the scheduling of these things. Uh, but anyway, moving on. The Flash, 775, Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin on the art this time, so uh, not just like the last several issues. Um, I had no idea this was oversized when I sat down to read it. Uh, I, it's one of those things, because I'm reading digitally, I, I, you know, I'm getting to a point where I'm like, you know, I feel like this, and it wasn't, because I was actually kind of enjoying the issue, but like, I was at a point where I'm like, this feels like it's been longer on Twitter. What page am I at? And I was on like page 27, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a reason why it was oversized? Uh, 775, it's, you know, it's... It's okay. done this a few times though, hasn't it? This, yeah. Where it's not I had a really... backup and it's just kind of been longer. Yeah. Um, and the, no, it's not super, super size. You know, it's annual sized at best. It's not, yeah. you know, it's like 40 pages. Uh, and it kind of pays off something that the book's been building to, which is this, the sword's been flying through space and like there's been sort of individual just like get, getting Wally you know, back on his feet in the status quo. He's got a job now working for Mr. Terrific. He's got his family life. All this is going on. Uh, so all that new stuff's been happening kind of as this has been building up. And then this issue kind of finally gets to it. Um, and it's mostly pretty solid stuff. If you've been enjoying this book, and I know not everyone thinks it's that great, uh, I think it's been a perfectly solid, dependable book. Not like an amazing blowaway thing, but definitely a fun time. Uh, I do think uh, Pissarin on art here is mostly pretty good. There's one or two weird moments, but... Uh, Pissarin did quite a bit of Hawkman, right? I think so, yeah. I'm remembering uh, the name, right? Uh, the first page, you know, when you open it, is like, so that's the sword, the spear or swords is landed in the middle of a street in... Uh, Central, maybe Keystone, whatever city, whatever city Wall is in. <laughs> one of the cities. Yeah, one of the twin cities. One of the twin cities. You got a 50 50 shot yeah. being right. So. And uh, Superman's there, and he's trying to pull it out of the ground, and he can't. So you kind of get like a, you know, Mjolnir or Arthur Sword kind of thing where, oh, it's not about strength because Superman can't pull it out. But he starts. Mjolnir getting... he knows, but not Excalibur. Uh, I actually. Well, one superior, and it's and Mjolnir. So. I, it's... I, I am aware that. Technically, Excalibur isn't really the sword in the stone. That's a different sword, but still. But for the sake of conversation, Excalibur is the sword in the stone. Yeah. And it wasn't a stone, it was an anvil. It's fine. What will really, what will really upset you, Connor, is that the last episode of Babylon 5 I reviewed had some King Arthur stuff in it. And when I was, dis- fell when I was discussing it, um, I couldn't remember the name of the sword and called it something else, which I think will really upset you. I sort of shrugged and went, what's the sword called, Camelot? Uh, <laughs> Excalibur is possibly the most famous sword name in all of history. Ah, uh, don't care. It's all boring shite. Uh, so, <laughs> that looks disgusting with me. <laughs> what are we doing here, Matt? Uh, I don't know. And then it started referencing like all of the knights that Arthur was with, and I'm like, I don't know any of these characters. Shut what? up. Shut up. Bunch of stupid is, is, names. Is it, what, 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 is it Gawain? Gawain? Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne, Lancelot, Percival. Uh, Who else do we got? I, I, I couldn't be more bored. Uh, <laughs> Sir Kay, his brother, well, his yeah. foster brother. Anyway, anyway, so, so Sir Rush tried to pull this thing out of the yeah. ground, and he starts getting kind of antsy about it. Like, he actually snaps at Wally, 
Uh, and he's like, I'll do this, damn it. And he's, he's like, oh, this is kind of weird. Those kinda... And it's like, it's your first sign that something's not quite right because Superman's acting a little out of character. And then Mr. Terrific gives Wally shit for not being at work, even though when he hired him, he made it very clear, like, you know, I'm hiring you knowing you're the Flash. You can speed off and do other things when you need to. So it's like, okay, clearly this spear, especially since the title of the story at the start in the first page is called Beacon of Hate. It's like, okay, clearly this, this spear is spreading hate, right? It's making Superman act like a dick. It's making Mr. Terrific act like a dick. Wally somehow isn't being affected by it. But then we go through and like the other people he works with are acting like assholes. He goes home to Linda for a minute and she snaps because the cupboard doors have been left open. And it's like, okay, this is clearly something that's happening. Uh, there's a plot point set up uh, at his workplace, which is the you know the lab uh, with the shielding stuff, which is going to come into play later, which is the only reason why I mention it. But Wally speeds off uh, to deal with something, and Mr. Terrific starts fighting him. He shows up, and he's like, I thought I told you to get back to work, and he starts using these T-spheres to, to attack him, and he makes kind of like laser beam, like like a circle of laser beams around him that'll block Wally from getting to him, and it's this fairly fun stuff. Um... And Wally's starting to put together that something's not quite right here. And when it cuts to the next scene, it's Mr... Uh, oh, sorry, it's the, tr- the trickster uh, who's jumping on a giant whoopee cushion because he's going for the spear. And it actually starts to move for him. And Wally's like, wait, Superman couldn't lift it, but this asshole could? Like, <laughs> what the hell? What's going on? And obviously, I immediately am thinking, well, is it because it's like an evil thing so only villains can move it? Like, you have to have hate in your heart or something? It's like uh, the opposite, me only. Yeah, it's like the opposite, basically. Uh, and then the very next, the very next page is a two-page uh, spread of like a bunch of villains coming for this thing, and it's like you know, Gigantus there, Ultra Humanite, Grodd, K- uh, King Shark, uh, Killer Frost, Doctor Light, you know, b- bunch, you know, bunch of villains, um, and so Wally kind of, you know, we have a couple of fun pages of him just kind of fighting a bunch of them. Uh, some of it more fun than others. Uh, I particularly enjoyed Rainbow Raider coming after Wally and being hit by a car right before he gets to him. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, which is a wonderful piece of art, though, because he's coming down this rainbow, and then you just see the the, the car, and the next panel is like a puff of multicolor smoke, and the car is just kind of like there, like as it's, as if it's him. Uh, it's a neat touch. Uh, so Wally's like, shit, I need to try and like do something with this spear. It's causing because you know, basically all the civilians around them they are starting to fight. Like, everyone's starting to fight. Like, chaos is spreading. Everyone's starting to, like, go absolute nuts. Uh, Wally has the idea to go back to his lab and get this this super high-tech shielding that's meant to block certain things, waves or whatever. And he builds a dome out of this shielding around the spear to see if this blocks whatever it's sending out. And sure enough, immediately, everyone sort of stops fighting and is like, wait, what the hell's going on? And the villains are all like, Ah, we'll be back as soon as I realize why I was here in the first place, because I'm not happy about it, and they leave. Um, but then the dome immediately starts to shatter with, like, sort of black, like, cracks, like, up... Because the, the dome itself is, like, pink, so all these black cracks look really kind of notable. Um, and you see just, like, hatred is spreading throughout the city, like, those random panels from throughout... And then a giant light comes from the middle of this this new dome that's been built out of black, and sort of sh- basically hits the the spear, and it's this alien from from space. I, I don't know if Starbreaker, who he calls himself, is like a new character or some deep pull. That sounds 
That sounds familiar. The name feels familiar, but I don't know if it's just like generic enough that I'm like, yeah, it could be a thing. Yeah, because Stormbreaker's a thing. Like, you know, that's immediately what I thought of when I I read the word. Um, Now, if he is new, it makes sense that he may just be a new nobody, given what's about to happen to him. (laughs) But... Um, No, so is, is he like an energy vampire? He is an energy vampire, yes. Because yeah. I, I, I was about to make about five Colin Robinson jokes. There you go. <laughs> Colin Robinson. <laughs> I'll tell you it's off air because I almost gave it a name away. Oh, sure. Um, but there, there, yeah. Anyway, um, no, he's been around for a while. Okay, um, okay. This might be his last appearance. Well, he, it's not so much that he's dead, but he is treated kind of like a quick chump for something else that's more important. But he basically comes in, hey, yes, the spears, uh, you know, this, uh, I'm going to take this and destroy the universe or whatever. Uh, you're going to stop me from devouring. Because he wants to basically suck in all the evil energy from this this thing. Um, and he says he's an energy vampire. And I, I just buckled because all I could think of was Colin Robinson. And just him going, <laughs> like when he's like sucking in the energy of like making people be miserable. It's, uh, watch what we do in the Shadows TV show, guys. It's really good. Um, but... So, so yeah, there's a bit of a fight with him for a brief moment, uh, and sure enough, he goes to pick out the spear, and, you know, light comes from it, uh, and darkness comes from it, like, you know, a bunch of different colours, and would anyone like to guess what this spear actually is before I tell you? So it's a beacon of hatred that affects everybody. Go on, Matt. Go on. You're going to do it. Get it. Get it. Is it? Is it, is it tied to the Red Lanterns at all? No. Eclipso. It's Eclipso. Uh, Starbreaker uh, gets the the Eclipso face kind of thing. I mean, you know, it's not quite the classic Eclipso face. It's got a slightly different, more designed look to it. But uh, yeah, it's basically he starts talking with a different, you know, speech bubble color. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. The, the whole cosmos will bow before the might of Eclipso. And then Wally immediately goes, ah, oh, this all makes sense now. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of a sudden, all of this makes sense. Uh, and this sort of starts, like, you know, bantering with Eclipso a little bit. Eclipso obviously is trying to, like, silence him. He's like, how dare you, like, mess with me. Uh, so, yeah, he's basically, yeah, I'm going to take over everything. Uh, and he flies off. He just leaves. And Wally's like, well, I guess I'll call that a win. But obviously, they've set up Eclipso's back now. He's in the body uh, of Starbreaker. So I, I do kind of like that the payoff to the spear that was flying through space for a few issues does does have a big villain attached to it. It was it was a nice surprise when Eclipso popped out. I was like, oh, okay. I don't have time to catch up on Flash, but now you give me Eclipso, and now I, and Superman in the same issue? I'm pretty sure I read they're going to Gem World as well soon. Yeah, but I like Gem World. Eclipso in Gem World? Yeah, oh, man. yeah. I'm not super excited about Gem How's World. That not been done before. Per se, How's it not but, done the Black yeah. Diamond stuff in Gem World. I don't know, uh, but the issue ends with a cliffhanger. Basically, uh, Doctor Fate's thing, the you know, portal opens up, and his hand comes through and just pulls Wally through it as Wally's grabbed the spear, and they're in what I assume is the Shadowlands because it's just complete darkness, uh, and Fate's like, "Flash, the fate of the universe is in your hands." Uh, and Wally cracks a joke about how his hands aren't his best feature, and the the, the final panel of the or the final bubble of the issue is this fate just sighing, <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. Uh, so it gets the humor of Wally. Uh, it, it it feels like you know a big fun adventure that's going to put Wally up against Eclipso, 
and uh, a lot of what got us there uh, was fun. And, you know, it, it didn't feel like a, like a extraneous read at 40 pages. I mean, maybe some of the extended action sequences with the villains and then uh, Starbreaker himself, he could have been cut down. But they had 40 pages to play with, so they had some fun with it. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily feel overly uh, fatigued by it, though, I have to say. Uh, the art's pretty good, though. I, I did kind of enjoy the uh, the art here from Pissarin. Uh, Wally's suit typically looks quite good. The, the only real complaint I have is that sometimes the emblem on his chest, uh, like, it, it's not sticking out of the circle enough to look like a lightning bolt. Sometimes it just looks like a sort of, like, sharp S at times. God, you are petty. Why does that be petty? Oh, the lightning bolt I mean, isn't, isn't clearly defined enough at all times. Well, the, the, given well, no, the fact... but a lightning bolt versus an S is... I'm gonna... I hate to agree with Pete, that, that, but... Given that this S, uh, because it's just these sharp, sh you know, edges uh, and points, given that it looks almost like the S you would get at an SS logo when you don't have the, the clear lightning bolt definition, yeah, it does stick out to me a little bit, all right? There's <laughs> a very specific comparison to... To draw that too when there's only one s here well no, but uh, what i mean is though is it looks the one Ugh, never mind like uh, like uh, people who have looked at the art made see what i'm saying there it just, and it's not in every panel i'm just saying there's a couple of panels where because it's not sticking out enough it looks more like an s inside the the shield uh but anyway um yeah i've with the issue uh you know i i i have typically been enjoying the flash as a very safe dependable book that's not necessarily punching like you know in the upper weight classes but uh I, between sounds, the, sounds fun enough yeah between this and another book that i've been reading that's been kind of like in a similar kind of tier uh i would say that this had a much better week <laughs> so more on that later but uh i very much uh dug this i i i would be tempted to even maybe stretch to an 8 out of 10 uh, on this issue uh so i, I think it's actually you know get a bit more solid as it goes which is nice um, and I think um, Adam's voice for Wally's uh, fairly solid. Again, it doesn't feel like he's reinventing the wheel. It doesn't feel like it's going to be like, oh, this is a run that you're going to have to recommend to Flash. But I think for people who want a nice Wally West Flash run, you know, it's a nice dependable read. Um, so I I'm having a decent enough moment. So yeah, 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 a 10 for me on Flash 775. Uh, but yes, I had no idea it was extra pages when I sat down to read it. That was a bit of a... I was like, oh, I'm on page 27. That's weird. <laughs> So, uh, cool. Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue four. Tom King writing with Daniel D. Niccolo on the art. Uh, not, not Tim's, even though the cover still says Tim's, because I had to go to the credits page to double check this. Connor's muted, so whatever he said, they have to try and correct me. Damn it, my mic. Who was writing that? What, oh, I said King. Sorry. I said King. Oh, okay. Sorry, I've written down King. You see, so I read what I written. Oh, that makes or, it what so I much written. better. I read what I wrote. Yeah. I read that what makes I wrote. It so much better that you had time to think about it ahead of time and still wrote yeah. it down wrong. Look, there's a lot of names to write down, right? There's a lot of books this week. You've already spoken about one Tom Taylor book. Yeah, exactly. So I'm more inclined to think there's going okay. to be. A... There's also an right, Tom... I was. There's, there's, there's a Tom King book too. So there was. It was like. 50-50. I would have caught a Connor, but um, a co-worker was just sending me their gold Knights tickets for Sunday. So, Wait, um, seriously? I, yeah, for real. So they just texted me as Pete was talking. Because I was like, They're like hey, do you want these? 
Yeah. And so I was getting all the transfer portal stuff so I can go on Sunday to watch them play the Islanders. So I'm very excited. Respect. I haven't seen I haven't seen the Knights uh, in person since 2019. But then you just say they were shit like right before we started. Yeah, so. but still watching a shit live hockey team is better than watching a shit team at home. Like, uh, okay, oh, look, sure. Some, look, Pete, I know you don't understand sports, but sometimes yeah. your team is shit. That that yes. is uh, that is a yeah. fact of life. Uh, More often than not, for most people, your team is shit. Mm-hmm. You still go and see them. It's fun. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you I've only been it. to one you Angels game that they've ever won. I right, on so. the subject of sports, though, I don't care about real sports, but I have been watching Ted Lasso this week. Uh, it's so good. And I've been having fun with that. Uh, I'm oh, on season it's two. So it's, it's a, so, Roy, Roy I, is the best. Roy's character Roy is, 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 is wonderful. Yeah. Um, I... There, <laughs> there's, a moment, <laughs> there's a moment in the Christmas episode in season two yeah, well, actually, there's two moments. Probably two of the most times I have laughed in that show were in the same episode, and they were both Roy moments. Um, is that moment where he's trying to perk up his little niece by saying this story about how he ate so much ice cream at a party that he shot himself on the way home, and then uh, the girlfriend like chimes in and goes, "Finish the story," and he just goes, three weeks ago." <laughs> it broke me. It broke me. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm I'm surprised you caved and watched it, given your disdain of sports. Um, he watched all of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. I know, he I know. Still, still mix sports enough if there's a good story. There's like an extra level of association with it. <coughs> there is that more than most other sports. I, I do dislike that more more than most other sports, but I think part of the the charm of it is because the American coach comes in and doesn't know anything about football. And there was something to relate right to. There was something to relate to because you know when one of them. When uh, what's his face from the independent stands up and says, "What's Ed the Grimm. offside rule?" Trent, Trent Grimm. Grimm. There you go. That's the one. What's the independent? Or what's the offside rule? I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there with Ted. Yes. Uh, what is offside the offside? Same like it is in hockey, right, Connor? Uh, yes, but there's no fixed line. It depends on where the players are. Oh God, that's annoying. So it's <laughs> the offside rule is if you're oh no if the no you're no is beyond the last defender, then it's offside. Okay. And it's the gotcha. moment that the ball leaves your foot that that, it, that you go from. Also, oh, oh, I mean, just so much of it's bullshit. Like, like, oh, we have these plays and they they position people on the the pitch and the little yeah. diagram. And yeah. I'm like, this is all nonsense. Once it all starts, you all just start running around like a bunch of empties. No, that's not true. I mean, you, you, <laughs> there are design plays that if a good defense mucks it up, yeah. But then that's why having better yeah, players. Pete's talking about something as simple as and and this is pretty even because Matt doesn't follow football no. slash soccer uh-huh. at all but yeah it, that's just formations that's just like right yeah. is it four four two four three three is two of your most basic ones is, oh, sorry, this is right. the shape that your players take on the pitch t- t- when sure they'll, they'll break break around that if they need to to cover things but when they don't have posi- uh, possession that is generally how they will look to give it a serious compliment beyond just it's really funny and the characters are quite likable for the most part is that it actually does a really good job of almost every time I think it's going to do a trope that I'm going to be annoyed at, of immediately subverting it by having its characters act in a way that is far more engaging and likable by just not reacting to the thing that would make the TV trope happen, or immediately calling it out, or immediately just acting like normal human beings in a situation to as not, so yeah. as not to create drama. It's, it's legitimately one of my favourite new shows. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the end of the season one was quite poignant in how it kind of like 
finally someone took a lesson, but it also is ultimately screwed something else, and it was a yeah. kind of a poignant ending. So I, you know, I, I recommend Ted. Mm-hmm. If you happen to have a year and a half free of Apple TV, which I do, <laughs> I recommend watching Ted Lasso. And this is coming from the man who hates football. I do. I hate football with a which, passion, which tells you how good the show is. My my brother's been trying to get me to watch it since last year. You really I'm, should, I'm, Matt. You would love I'm it. I'm holding on. I'm holding on because it's been too hyped. I mean, you will I don't love know it. How I I feel with with too hyped. I've not found one person to say one bad word. I was hoping <laughs> no, that that's Pete it. Was going to be I, like I, I was really worried when I started watching because like I have heard a lot of good things here about yeah, this. There's, yeah. there's no and it not only lived up to that, it exceeded my expectations. It's too it's too feel good, Matt. It's it's too it's too much. It was so easy to just keep watching episodes because yeah. it's so. I was hoping nice. really. I watched Ted Lasso. I watched two episodes. It wasn't for me. And I'm like, okay, we're good. But Pete's like, I'm on season two. And I was like, Shit. <laughs> all right. Talk about comics. I'm starving. I'm going to start getting cranky. And, and no one likes dealing with a cranky Matt. All right. Well, just to make it a clean intro to the book again, for the sake, for the sake of beloved David. Tom King. Cuts these John up. Bruce Timms. S- Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue four, Tom Taylor with Danielle D. Niccolo on the art. Uh, last issue, if you remember the cliffhanger, is that uh, Faultline, the or Earthquake Girl, uh, was dropped out of a plane by the villain onto the Kent farm. That's because it ended with that happening. And then, obviously, this issue picks up... Uh, I mean, it kind of starts like a moment or two before that, because they're talking for a little bit. But yeah, then, you see the inside. Yeah. But then, then of course, uh, John kind of senses that it's coming, starts saving people. Uh, but notably, uh, is it Jay? Is the yeah. soon-to-be... Uh, boyfriend uh he like like phases out of the exi- well you know he like he becomes almost ghost-like he's john's hand just goes right through him and uh, he's like right guess he's good yeah i guess he's gonna be fine I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the grandparents uh so he flies them off and uh he's really pissed immediately the justice league response i actually kind of like this i like that the Ken farm is kind of like a protected place where immediately because something yeah. happens the entire justice league is like wait a minute like, yeah, you know. I, I like the idea that they were like late. There's supposed to be an early warning system that they mm, get there uh-huh. before anything. It's like, no, this is this is serious. If if they got there it's, ahead of the it, sells the villain of the story a bit, right? Because it's yeah. like yeah. you know he he was able to like at least trick it enough to get past that uh, for uh-huh. this attack. Uh, so Hippolyta gets hit by fault line. Uh, probably the one bit of art, or maybe not the only bit, but the, the first part of the art that kind of I thought was a little rough because uh, I think the art's generally all right is. The pa- even though it's a funny panel of Hippolyta like flying past the moon, and, and I think it's like Wally's looking up at her. I think I, I think it's maybe Wally's chin as he's looking up. It is, yeah. It looks too pointy. It looks stupid. Just me? No, no, no. I don't like the art that much in this. I feel like it. So I looked at the cover and it said Tim or Tim's on on the cover. It said Tim. T- like, Tim from Screams After Midnight on on Superman. No. He wishes. Oh, let me- he does. He does wish. <laughs> yeah, it says Tim's. It says Taylor Tim's. It does, yeah. Because I, I, because yeah. I saw this name, uh, uh, Niccolo on League of Comic Geeks, which I was getting the credits from. But I, the cover, which is right next to it, didn't say that. It said Tim's. I thought, oh, is this one where they're wrong? So I actually went right. to the credits page in the book. But the yeah. cover does still say Tim's, even on like the right the finished so cover. I was like, what happened to Tim? Because usually I like Tim's art. Like I know it's not for everybody. Some people think it's it's too cartoony. This is like Tim's art, but the cartoon. It's like it's not as bad as Rosmo. But it, oh no, me, it not even. More, I don't think it's close it to edges Rosmo. It, it edges 
it edges the cartooniness towards that a little bit more. Sure, no, um, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I do think it's a step know. down from Tim's, but I, I, I don't, I, it wasn't like a friend in my eyes most of the time, other than one or two, like, moments where, like, yeah. like things were just a bit too angular, or, like, heads were a bit too stuck out, or, yeah. you know, or whatever. I mean, young John is, in memories, mostly uh, a smile. Yeah, I did also dig here because when Wally arrives and he talks to John a little bit, he's like, "Hey, if you ever want any advice, you know, I'm not because because he says, you know, I'm Wally, and John's like, Wait, why are you telling me you're civilian?' <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you know, I mean, you, you probably know everyone else's, and honestly, like, I know what it's like to step into the mantle of like the person you're looking oh, up to. Hero. So, you know, how about if if you need any advice or you want to talk, you know, I'm around. Like, I kind of dug that, especially since it's like." Wally's from a generation of Titans uh, above John. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, after the original heroes, obviously, who, who weren't Titans ever. You know, that was the point of the Titans, is they weren't the, the main heroes. But you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, so he's kind of this mid-generation now, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of fun having him kind of like, hey, if you need someone to give advice or whatever, I'm around. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's some flashbacks. Uh, just briefly, as he's talking about memories and uh, Jay's talking to him. And uh, we actually get some other Tom Taylor characters coming in here because yep. uh, Jay's got some some contacts, and it's uh, uh, Wink and Airy from Which, uh-huh. this, this was the uh, seeing this on Twitter mentioned was the moment where I realised I didn't read this issue. It, uh-huh. I mean, I have now, I have now, yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I had forgotten I hadn't read issue three until so I read the first pages. Like, hang on, go back read issue three. Read issue three and was like, right, okay, I'm done with that book now. Move <laughs> on to the next thing. <laughs> two hours later, two hours later, I'm scrolling Twitter and Tom Taylor, you know, was like, hey, Wink and Airy showed up in in this week's Superman. So the I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Shit, I didn't read it. <laughs> so I just want to say that it might make me seem like a bit of a hypocrite that I like Wink and Airy showing up, yet I railed against Bendis doing this with Naomi. It's not however, bad however. This has not been become a trope with with Taylor, right? And that it feels like these guys are making like an actual cameo that they're not. It's not going to be. It doesn't. Yeah, about, it doesn't feel like it's going to be about them you know? now. And it also feels a bit yeah. more natural given what they were doing in Suicide Squad and right. You know, so they're if there you for haven't like read three that, pages, not three issues. Yeah. So if you haven't read that, it's like, oh, okay, that that's fine. It's not like you don't need that. You, but if you did read Suicide Squad, you get a little bit it's, more of a. It's nice Grounded to see thing. them, and maybe there'll be more of them coming up, and maybe we'll yeah. we will get a bit more of a story well, with like, them. But right now, they're they're just a plot point. They're just they've got information related well, like to our, you know what's his face, whoever the president of Gamora is. Um. So, like, is is the truth related to whatever the cause that the revolutionaries were a part of? Mm. Right. So, like, so, for the record, the president is called Bendix. Bendix, and I remember that because it's not Bendix. <laughs> Bendix. All right. Bendix. Wait, Bendix is bald? It's Bendis, but with an X instead of an S. Ben- Bendis is bald? Bendix mm. is bald. I mean, I mean, I was yeah. assuming that was more of a reference to Lex Luthor, because this is John's Luthor, effectively, right now. Uh, but, I mean, who, yeah, maybe maybe it was a Bendis. <laughs> ben- Bendix is also a... Uh, is a we, we established this last time, a Wildstorm character, right, that Taylor has pulled out. And this whole thing that we'll, we'll, we'll get there about what they're creating these post-humans which can't we just call them mutants like I'm, does, uh, does marvel uh, have I, that I, I, yeah i'm pretty sure marvel 
Yeah, gotcha. I think legally well, there may be some uh, trouble there. What? I think probably legally no, but also, it, is it worth the hassle when you can just call them something absolutely else? Absolutely not. But these are mutants for yeah. right. Yeah. But, I mean, I will show my metas, meta humans. Like that's that's usually what we use in DC. Yeah, why, why not? These aren't regular metas. These these are these are post humans. Okay, right. true. Okay, yes, as opposed to pre humans. Or... Like, and is this is this yeah. tied to Winkin Harry from from before? You know, because Harry was from their mom was the leader of which which island? Oh, I'm not gonna pull that out, mass man. Caribbean island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is this tied to that and? I just I like that there's layers here going on, and I feel like this is how you do that, where you can keep running, a, you know, a, a thread from from you know Taylor's um, from from his DC work. So. Yeah, layers like cake. So sure, there's a good. Yeah, I'm gonna bring up the onions again. We've we've been over this last episode. I was on. No, it's layers of like cake, Kuskrushek, and that racist Mike Myers. Uh, that's. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I love how Matt has no idea what's going on there. Nope. <laughs> Mike Myers has got a lot to answer for with his Scottish impersonations, Matt. That's all I'm saying. You mean that's basically based off of his dad? I don't care. I don't care if his dad's Scottish. It's a wonderful job. Wait, he hold on. Are we talking about the comedian or the killer? The comedian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> How do we know they're not one of the same? We've never seen Michael without his mask off. <laughs> Which still is one of my favorite Baby Driver jokes. Uh... Told you to get the Mike Myers mask. No, I yeah, no but you, you joke about this, but in the movie, they actually think a man who's like five foot two and has the body shape of the penguin right. might be Michael Myers. Hey, Pete, look, I've got an important life lesson for you here. Oh, yes. People are idiots. Yeah, true. People, hey, people guys, are idiots. Keep talking about Superman. <laughs> Alright, so basically this kind of confirms stuff that we already know as the, the reader, because we've been seeing some of the villain stuff play out, which is that you know, it is uh, Bendix who sent uh, Faultline, and they've got intel that suggests that they are taking some of these, these post-humans, and they're weaponizing them for their own, own means. Um... John takes this info to Lois, who's like, yeah, this is actually good research. Um, you know, there's not enough to nail it on him, but there's a lot of good work here. Uh, I, I like that he uses his mum as a resource. So John's like, well, I'm going to go and have a talk with this asshole. And Lois is like, hey, wait a minute. He's the president of a country. You don't want to cause any international incidents now. And so I was like, I'll be nice. I'll, I'll be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we get kind of you know it's very much the classic you know superman floating outside alexi's window kind of moment mm -hmm. where he shows up to bendix and basically oh you're an idiot for coming here like uh like well did you attack my grandparents it's like i would never harm an innocent family like i'm always a peaceful nation and you've been tricked anyway you know those people mm -hmm. you saved they're all they're all fugitives they're criminals, criminals. it's it's so, very north criminals. korea right mm. yeah like yeah yeah so, uh, here's someone, John hears someone screaming. This is all a trap, though. This is all earlier John into a trap. And we actually tie in, because, you know, issue one was fairly standalone, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. but this kind of brought it back in, uh, because the, the fire guy uh, that set fire to the forest is in this, this chamber. And John's struggling with the heat, but he's like, hey, I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, I'm going to help you. But he's like, it's not me. I'm not the one causing this heat. It's not me. Uh, and John 
flies up. Uh, well, he gets blasted with a bunch of rays from this. Like this, like it's almost like a cerebral-looking room. He gets blasted with all these rays. Mm. He flies out up at the sky, and he's like, "No, I can't control my powers. My body's changing. Whatever they've done to me is messing with me." So he's like just firing his heat vision into the sky. He's like he's losing control, uh, mm. and that's a big kind of cliffhanger. And his superheroing is also kicking into overdrive, where he can yeah, hear everyone, but he can't really. Yeah, do it's it. like he's his cells have been supercharged. Yeah. overcharged yeah um i mean I, I do if i was to make a guess right now i would say that bendix wants to make it look like he's attacking the country so he can yeah, be justified and uh, unleashing his military whatever. on him or whatever yeah yeah yeah, whatever, an whatever it's gonna be. yeah um i i do like that they that they point out that uh what made john an enemy to bendix you know by ref by, you know by doing the stuff with the refugees and he got arrested for them and it was like it wasn't the fact that he rescued a bunch of them. It's you know, almost that like he took the stand. He make it, made a statement. Yeah, and that's what's pissing off Bendix because he seems to be someone that, you know, uh, he understands I, how I, how I suspect, subtle gestures work. Yeah, I suspect this is not simply just spite, you know, and mm -mm. petty revenge either. I, I suspect it's a right less discredit, you know, John make yeah. him look like he's unhinged. He doesn't really do it. He's, he's coming after me, and therefore. You know, the, the, the world stage will then be more, you know, on my side. Yeah, I would say it's not about revenge. It's more about he sees John challenging him as a long-term problem that could keep spiraling into more and more questions and more opposition. So it's more of a strategical play than like a, oh, he's pissed me off play. Not, not that he doesn't seem like someone who may also be petty as well. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a little bit of that. That might be there as well, yeah. yeah. Can't, can't rule it out. But, yeah. and, and we know that the, the island, Gamora... Is uh they're they're for whatever reason messing with these post humans, um and and whatnot. So it's just it's it's funny to me that when you think about Wink and Airy and where Airy comes from and just like Tom Taylor just might maybe because he's from Australia has a thing for islands. You know? <laughs> think, think about unkillable. Like we have a thing for islands. Well, I'm just saying you guys is your guys is work as works of art aren't constantly set around island, you know? Like, even think about Unkillables with the, what was it, the tree lobsters? Okay, that, sure. You know, that was all from an island. I made them super isolated. I feel I like... I say, Tom Taylor and islands go together well. I feel like an island is a broad enough idea that I don't, I don't think that it, it can... Him using it a few times means any sort of preference to island stories. If anything, like, if I'm thinking yes. of islands in, in storytelling, my first thought is Bond villain Les. That's, that's yeah, what my mind. I, I would say Australia's too. I mean, obviously, Australia is an island. I'm not saying it isn't, but Australia's too it, big for like. What, when you picture an island in like a movie or a story or a comic, you think it, of a small island. You think of an island that's really contained and. Judging from the Mercator app, uh, Greenland is a lot bigger than Australia. So. I didn't say. How is that I, relevant? I didn't say it was the largest I'm, island. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying because it feels like it, it's a large. You know, it's almost too large. You don't think of it as an island. The, the, the point you know, I'm making just... is, if you live right in the middle of Australia, you have to go so far to get yes, to the water. That it doesn't. I know. <laughs> Let me have my joke about Tom Taylor loving islands. I mean, because right? he's from Australia. Hell, we're we're the we're the UK. Even the UK feels. I mean, yeah, you can get to the the shore relatively quickly from any point. You know where but... I'm from, the city I'm from is the most central city in the UK. Like in in the sense that. It is the furthest you have to drive in any direction. You know, if you pick a direction, you yeah. Drive towards this the coast. explains a lot about Connor. <laughs> if you want to get to the coast from, you know, any city in the UK, you know, if you drive towards the nearest coast, 
where I'm from takes the longest. It will take two hours minimum, which is in the scheme of America tiny. But that's that's how small uh, as a country but, we are. But I think, but I think that's the furthest you have to go to get to water. But that still, I think, is enough to feel like, you, like yes, we're technically on an island, Sorry, but, but it doesn't feel like you know when I you think of an island, a movie island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm far enough from water right now that I'm like. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not on an island. I'm I'm on a big, massive chunk of land. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. That, that's because Matt it lives in a be. place that you know is connected to multiple countries. Isn't that what it feels like to to? We're, but Vegas <laughs> is an island. Just just we're not surrounded by sea. We're surrounded by flipping desert, dirt, and yeah, and it sucks. And tremors. You know, we, my the the closest city to us is three hours. In any direction. I, I saw some. I saw someone ask on Twitter if the new Dune movie is just a big budget version of Tremors, and it made me laugh. I mean, this makes sense why our friend Dan right? loved it. They, they, they both share some giant worms. They, they do. They do. I don't remember Kevin Bacon raiding one of them though. Just wow. you know, putting that out there. They, they, there's there's always time for another Tremors movie. Sixteen. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, we're, we're actually done with the Superman book anyway, more or less. Yeah. Uh, we spiraled off into island talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. What are you giving it, Matt? Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5, mostly because while I enjoyed all the words, I'm not a fan of that art. So uh, it would be a lot higher if, if you know, not the art. Okay, Car. So I'm going to give it an 8. I think uh, I did enjoy it quite a lot. Uh, I didn't have as much of a problem with the art as as my. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's great or anything, but it was fine. Yeah, I, I'm gonna probably go with it as well. I think this, unlike some other Taylor books, didn't start off like at amazing level. It kind of just started off like, okay, let's promise here and like we'll see how it builds. I think as it's went on, it's done a good job of sort of building what the mantra of the book is and. I think now that Superman's actually gone, I think it's going to benefit from really letting John have to, like... You know, I think him going to see his dad a few times throughout the the book in the early few issues... I wouldn't say it hurt it, per se, but it did mean we were still kind of just dealing with the, the build-up to him eventually being on his own as Superman. So now that we're actually there, and he's making these leaps by going and speaking to, a, like, a, a leader of a foreign nation uh, who is a villain, I, I think those big steps are starting to feel kind of a big... like a big deal in importance, so... Um, that's starting to click. I, I think the art wasn't too bad, but there is definitely some problems with it. And it's not as good as the regular art. So I, I hope Tim's is back uh, soon. But uh, me too. Yeah. So I'll say eight out of ten for me as well. Um. All right. Cool. Green Lantern issue seven. Jeffrey Thorne, uh, writing with Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci on the art. I'll keep this one fairly brief. I don't have a whole bunch to say. Um, it's probably the weakest issue of this. Yeah. Uh, which is a bit annoying um, because you know it, it typically averages for me around a 7 so it's never like it's super high up mm-hmm. in my, my, my ranking anyway so it being a little bit of a weak issue uh, particularly the first half which is so it's John on his way because I was actually quite into the cliffhanger from this story from last issue which was oh mm-hmm. Kilowog's in trouble John's going to assemble a team and go and save him. We don't get that this issue. We may get it next issue. This Kilowog's is... on the cover. I was not gifted any Kilowog. Instead, I got New God. <laughs> yeah, we, we get this weird, like, like, so there's a New God character who's like, hey, John Stewart, you must see this important thing from history. And it's, 
basically the first time the Guardians, who weren't Guardians yet, and they even point out that they don't know what that word means yet. Malthusians. Yes. And they interact with the new gods and, uh, like, you know, characters from Apocalypse. And it's it's like, this is is like predating the new gods that we know, you know, in in name. They're they're kind of like previous versions. Yeah, so, so... High Father is known as his, his what is it, Isaiah, um, very biblical. Isaiah, then, I imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you got you know Darkseid running around as Uaxis or Uxis. Yeah. Um, and he, sure. he doesn't yeah. have Omega rays from his eyes, but he's got like pistols that he can fire like Omega does, style. Does that make these the new it, new gods? Huh? Are they the new new gods then? If, if no, they're, they're the old new gods. This is who they yeah. were before they were new. So they're just gods. Right. So that's just them as gods before they okay. were new gods. Yes. Um, so my problem with this is one is that it's mostly this big battle scene, and it's it basically plays out with John repeatedly saying, "No, this is impossible. It couldn't have happened." And all I kept thinking was, "Why? <laughs> why? Why couldn't this have happened?" What, well, what, and it's what? not just that. It's <laughs> this new god that took him back there is the god of journeys, and that John he says that this has always happened. So John Stewart, you have to go. And you have to see this. He's like, I don't want to see this. What do I need to see this for? He's like, but you need to see it. And I was like, okay, it's a little bit philosophical. I get it. But... Yeah, this, this was this was a tedious first half of the issue that just like, mm-hmm. you know, they're throwing around all these names. They're calling characters things that I'm not used to them being called. Um, you know, the, the only interesting moment is when John Stewart actually kind of intervenes and punches young dark side a bit. And he he, he sort of because at first he's like you know they can't see him they're kind of there in sort of a cloaked way but John Stewart breaks out of that to go punch Darkseid, um and he he refers to you know the Guardians and like young Ganthus who's like you know like a tall handsome version of Ganthus is like what Guardians what do you speak of yeah. strange being um but then then he just sort of snaps back to to present day um yeah. and they're still on their way. And I'm sure, like, there'll be some relevance to this later down the line, but this was not an enjoyable, like, story to read, this flashback. I, no, I was... I, it's I was... always murky when they mix the new gods with the Green Lanterns, and I get it, because you want to play with the, the whole cosmic stuff, and, it, you, you know, the new gods fit well with all the cosmic. I just... I've yet to read a new god story outside of the Tom King, Doc Shaner, uh, God of Light story. That really pulled it off, but yeah, this one's just weird. Like you, you, you summed it up right, Pete. Where it was just like, what is, what exactly is going on? Yeah. What was the point of this? Yeah, and I just you know, it kept coming back to John being, no, this is impossible. It couldn't have happened. I'm like, why? What about this? Like, what this about is... the history of Green Lantern says that this could no, the the, right. the Guardians could never have interacted with new gods before. <laughs> It seems like the Guardians, everyone they meet early, they're just dicks to. And it starts makes it so this, of course, like, John, you should know this by now. I, I did like the one thing I did like uh, was that the, the Guardians are using all different color spectrum, right? Like when they're mm. blasting the new gods and whatnot, you see a violet, you see a red, you see a yellow in addition to the green, which I, I think is nice because, you know, it has been established in Green Lantern mythos that they did at one point have access to all of the you know it's a nice detail it doesn't really help the story yeah. but it's a nice detail no but it's mm. i'm looking for positives here yeah uh so you know I, I did like that little touch i'll give you that but that's basically all i've got to say on that <laughs> so uh the the back, back half, a little back, bit better yeah back half's better you know it's continuing the joe uh kelly's passed out uh and being transferred back from from uh what do you call it 
uh, Corrigar. Um, uh-huh. and or new Corrigar. Are we on new Corrigar now? Yeah. Corrigar. Uh, so, and basically the uh, the Thanagarian from uh, the United Planets is like, you know, we need to deal with this girl because uh, the the power's too too much, and obviously Joe and Simon are like, the hell you will, <laughs> and uh, Joe's like, no, we'll take respons. Oh, I'll take responsibility for like we'll look after her now um and that's basically it. and th- then the aliens who are looking after her and like the med bay try to take her gauntlet off uh-huh and immediately simon and joe freak out because they know what that's going to what that's going to cause and immediately all these constructs start attacking the station because it's got like a built-in like almost like subconscious defense mechanism for for yeah. for kelly yeah. where and I, I liked that it made the Titans, you know, you see like green yeah. constructs of Robin and, and uh, Jenny Hex Super and boy, all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's I, like, a, I like that. It was a nice touch. So, so they sort of fight their way through this. It's a little bit fillery in the sense that there's just a lot of fighting these constructs. Uh, but Yeah, but, but I do like that it, we get Simon and Joe interacting and they were talking about um, Jess. And, yeah, yeah, and that uh, type of stuff. Yeah, and Joe's not met her yet, so she's like, "Wait, that other no. what the other Earth Earth Latin chick? What, what, what was she doing with the yeah. yellows? What's going on?" Yeah, so I, I did like all that, and I do like that the uh, Thorn is building up that relationship between Kelly and and um, Simon. Simon. So it, it, um, there's definitely like a, a sort of surrogate father thing because you know basically yeah. the end of the issue is she's still passed out, but Simon gets to her side. He sort of walks through the constructs and holds her hand, yeah. and says, "It's okay, I'm here." I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep you safe, you know, just sleep, and it, it kind of stops all the chaos. Yeah. So it's got a sweet ending. I like the character mm-hmm. stuff that it's building here in this back half. Like I say, it's not, it's not as good as some of the other stories we've had with Joan Kelly and Simon. I, yeah. I think because it's a little bit like okay, like you know, a good like four or five pages of just fighting these constructs, and you know, so it's whatever. But yeah, I, I do like that the the Thanagarian keeps calling Simon the Broken Lantern, and he's about <laughs> He's like, all right, enough of that Broken Lantern so, stuff. Like, so, get like, if Simon ever gets his own ongoing, it should be called Broken Lantern. That, Lantern. That's what yeah. it should be called. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah. So, yeah, back half is better, but it's not as good as it has been. And after a really bad first half that I thought was really uninteresting, it wasn't enough to lift it up, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, weak issue this month for Green Lantern, unfortunately. But, uh uh, uh there's not much to say about uh, you know like it's the exact same things i've been saying about both both sides you know uh i like yeah. the kelly joe side with santucci more um yeah than the rainy than the rainy the rainy i do think uh, stylistically has, is all right at times but uh this this issue fit more because i feel like he was definitely leaning into kirby's designs oh sure on the new gods like everything was big and bulky and just like when when uh when young dark side goes to put on the Omega gauntlets, it really felt like Orion's harness, you know? Like, there was that same design kind of there. But that said, the Santucci back half looks much, much better. Yeah. All right, what are you giving the issue, Matt? Uh, 5.5. That's exactly what I was going to say, 5.5. Damn. Just, just over that midline, because the yep. back half is better, but, like, I can't go any higher, because the first half I just didn't like at all. So, cool, 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 cool. That was Green Lantern. Uh, moving on. Catwoman, Lonely City, issue one. Cliff Chang, uh, both writing and doing art on this issue. So this is a, one of these Black Label Prestige books. It is a 50-pager, and it is a, its own continuity. It is a Catwoman. It's an, it's an old old lady Selina. 
uh, if you want to call Basically. it that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where she's out of prison after 10 years, and Harvey Dent, uh, Two-Face, who's kind of reformed and has become the mayor of Gotham, uh, Selina is kind of treated like a... You know, this has been criminal. No one kind of takes her seriously. Uh, but she is looking into something. You know, it, it's teased that everyone kind of blames her for the death of Batman and Dick Grayson 10 years prior. Uh, that's why she's in prison. Um, and uh, we'll get into it, but like that, that's the, the basic setup of the, the world that we're in. Uh, but there's a lot of her, like, you know, revisiting her old place, walking through the city, kind of commenting how things have changed. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's a very focused book, and uh, it feels like it's going to make a good trade to recommend as a complete oh, story. 100%. With, yeah. with the three or four issues that it is. I don't know how many chapters it is. I think it's three. I think it's three. Most of them teams seem to be three with another size, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's because that kind of works out to roughly six issues, give or take, maybe just over. Yeah. I, I guess the first thing to get out of the way is the art, just because it's the easy thing oh, to talk it's about. gorgeous. It is a very, very pretty book, and I think it it works especially uh, with a different colour. You know, nighttime is blues and purples, and it's all these flat, you know, colours, flat shapes. Uh, and then, But then you get to all the daytime stuff, and it's a lot more Greens yellows and browns. and browns, and yeah, like, it, it really kind of plays with its colour palettes a lot, and whenever they're on, like, a... Whenever there's a rooftop or, or whatever... You, you get like the depending on if it's nighttime or daytime, you really get that backdrop and it gives it this feeling to it. Um, so the story starts with a sort of like it, it is the sort of format where it's like, okay, we start off in an action scene and it's like now, and we see her running from why what, what I'll describe as bat cops, it's like armored cops with bat ears, uh, because we're in this future. It, I mean, to be fair, it's not just ears, it's like a full face thing, you know, it's got like mm. a respirator sort of thing over the over the mouth, so you know. It, it doesn't look goofy. If no, you say no. Cops with bat ears. It sounds goofy. Yeah, it, it looks more like I don't know like the trippers you would get in like a sci-fi movie in like the future. Uh, they just happen to have ears in their helmets. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's like three days ago. It's her being released from prison and getting out, seeing the world for the first time. She has to take the bus. Uh, there's a lot of little details dropped about how they have to have these certain types of like IDs on them. They can only pay in like G bucks or whatever it is. Like no one takes cash the anymore. The G bucks. Yeah. Sounds like shoot bucks. <laughs> uh, a lot of office references going on today, Matt. Yeah. Uh, and you know she, she has to break into her old place because she doesn't know what the code was. <laughs> uh, and but yeah, like all of her old outfits are there, and she's she she gets geared up. She one of her cats is still there, so that's gonna have a heartwarming little beat when she runs into Monty. Um, but a lot of this is like showing, showing that she's out of touch, that she's you know, Gotham has changed so much, and she's from a previous era. Uh, and it does that thing where it uses like TV, like news stuff to fill in a lot of the the, the surrounding mythology of the world. Of, uh, it's it's mostly done like uh, interviews with with Harvey Dent because the re-election is coming up. Yeah, which I actually really. I mean, obviously, it tells you a lot about how Harvey's different in the future, but. What I really liked about this is that eventually later in the issue when he shows up in person, it actually felt like it's such a huge deal because we've seen like four TV interviews with him up to that point. So him mm-hmm. actually walking into a scene and actually being there felt like a big... So it, it did a really good job of treating that like it had a big bit of momentum with it. Yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, I, I think that's really smart. It's really interesting seeing the way Gotham's changed because we learned that uh, when Bruce died, he kind of basically all his money went to the city and, you know, mm-hmm. this is all the projects that it was earmarked to kind of fund... And crime Some is better than others. Yeah, and crime is down. You know, things yeah. are generally better than they were before. Uh, it seems very gentrified. 
uh, Selena goes to get a coffee at Captain Cold Brew, Matt's new favorite DC location. <laughs> uh, that's where that came from. Yeah. I, like, I didn't see it yeah. in any of the books that I read this week, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, it's from this. And they're like, oh, like 20 books for a, you know, a, a latte and a scone. And, and she's like, ah, screw this. And then they, they won't even take cash because it's, it's G money only. She's got to go to like some shit, shit, shitty little shop down the road that's like, yeah, it's 250 Here you go. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I wasn't sure if the like if the joke was that this place was extortionate or if this was just like oh in ten years inflation's gotten us to the point where like a, a Starbucks in in ten years is going to be charging this. No, I, I think it's gentrification yeah. uh, combined with the, you know that they're only taking the essentially the cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so but she goes to uh, Wayne Manor. She sneaks in past the guards that are outside and. Goes to Bruce Wayne's tombstone, then sees Alfred's, and then looks over at, at, at Dix, and it's like, oh man, this is like a really sad version of this world. Uh, and like the guard comes in, sort of hearing something, and she gets away in time, but when he, he finds like uh, roses all over the tombstones, it's a really kind of, you know, bittersweet, nice moment. And then she goes to see the penguin whose iceberg lounge has like evolved into this like international waters thing that's like outside of Gotham's jurisdiction. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's great. He's like, well, it's it, he runs all offshore accounts, and you know, and he's one of those guys who does all the the what is essentially money laundering. Yeah, but is technically legal. Uh, right? uh, it, it, he's he's a, he's a Cayman Island. That's that's what she says. It's like most of what he's doing is actually completely legal. Uh, yeah, it's just all he's, he's a Cayman Island essentially. Yeah, to himself. Some shades of gray, perhaps. It's very very Danny DeVito penguin, isn't it? He's got a white tux on as well. There it goes. Uh, yeah. So which gives him a different look. He's got the white hair. Uh, not not that it tends to be like shown with like really nice thick hair or anything, but it's it's notably whiter than normal to make him look older here. Yeah. This is old man penguin, and then you know skips to like a a, a day ago. Because remember we started off and it went three days early, so now it's just one day ago. And one of the key things about the conversation with penguin was that she's like, "Hey, I'll do some jobs. You know, loan me some money and I'll pay you back." And he's like. You're kind of old now. Like maybe you could like put on a skimpy Catwoman outfit and like do some like you know table service. But I don't believe with your knees and your back that you can still do the Catwoman thing. So I'm not trusting you. And then it skips to this next part of the timeline where it's nighttime. She's put, not put on a Catwoman, so she's put on basically just like a hoodie and like stuff like this. It's like the, the low rent version. And she's essentially just trying to prove that she can still do this by sneaking into the uh, to Gotham Central. And but she's taking like pain pills. She's like commenting on how her back hurts and her knees hurt as she's like doing certain things. Um, and she messes up like she she almost gets caught and has to just abandon the plan. Uh, when one of the cops comes back, like and all of it, and she's doing like the uh, the serenity thing with uh, River, you know, where she's like hiding up in the the ceiling, uh, with the arms and legs spread out. She's like, ah, I didn't think this through. Knees yeah. are not good for this anymore. Matt's trying to think of the scene of Serenity I'm talking about. Matt's <laughs> too busy on his phone not listening. I'm not because I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's just, imagine, like, sort of lying up with the back to the ceiling, but you're sort of holding up by your hands and legs being pressed against the walls. I think for Matt, did, I think, it was was it not in the, uh, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies? He's up in the back. Well, well he doesn't in the corner. He doesn't count, though, because he gets sticky fingers. He can just do that. It doesn't matter. The, the imagery is the same. But it's, it's, it doesn't strain him as much. This is, like, athletic, whereas Spider-Man is just, like, stick. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying... Obviously, Spider-Man is very athletic in a lot of other ways, but I'm saying that that particular manoeuvre is not athletic I, for I him. imagine it takes a lot of a lot of upper-body strength to hold yourself up by your fingertips. Sticky or not. 
You ever see Free Solo about the dude that, that climbed up the mountain without yes, any Yes, he's ropes? a very scary dude. Yeah, I bet you he could do it. Yeah, I bet he could. <laughs> Alex Honnold. I, I, I thought that we were going to say that was like the campaign to like get the original cut of Han Solo movie released. That's Free Solo 2. <laughs> Come on, Pete. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so she kind of retreats and it's this like downbeat moment for her. And I think that was... Like, I don't know if I like everything where the plot goes by the end. Some of it's just not as exciting as, say, Batman the Imposter from last week, which was just exceptional from start to I've finish. I haven't read it yet. Make sure you do. Um, do, do you know I realise that? I haven't read it yet either. What? Strange Adventures? The, the la- that too, but even worse than that. I still haven't finished Infinite Frontier. Ronnie, <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. I realised earlier when I was like, oh, You're the best at being the worst. Shit, oh, here. Need to finish that at some point because I keep putting off because I, I there's not a next issue that I need to read it before. Yeah, but it's constantly you know there's more interviews with Harvey Dent. It's constantly teasing this big night that happened where Batman died. Um, and then Fool's Night. Yeah, and Selina goes to see Barbara. Uh, and this is a world. This is a continent where Barbara is in a wheelchair. Um, and she's actually the opposing candidate. The re-election we keep hearing about. She's the one who's actually running against Harvey Dent. Um, and she doesn't want to talk to Selena. Like they're they're not in good terms, uh, not at all. And like Selena's there to ask a question about was it uh, was it Orpheus? Oh, I say? Orpheus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at this point, we have no idea what she's talking about. Like, did I miss like this word being brought up earlier? Obviously, there's context given a little bit later. Uh, and I am the- going to refer to the story of Orpheus when we get to a little bit later. Sure, sure. Um, but. Yeah, so but they're not in good terms. Uh, Babs talks about taking responsibility. Um, kind of blames Selena for what happened to some extent. And it, you know, it's kind of an emotional beat. It's kind of sad. Uh, and there's a great page after that. Selena's so just walking through the city at night. Um, and the, you know, it's like a tracking shot and a camera. You know, all these horizontal panels getting closer to her until the, the lights of the background are just the, you know, the, the, the spots. You know, the so out of focus kind of idea. Uh, really good pacing and then she goes to this bar where she runs into old man killer croc who's wearing a little old man hat uh, and like a flat cap like a flat cap yeah and he's so excited about like maybe doing some work with Selena and he's like hey can I have a place to stay it's got a lot of weight it's kind of, it's kind of weird yeah. to see croc like this it's, it's, it's definitely a kind of a jokey version of what croc could turn into uh, I like it though but, oh, and this place is, is, is run by my uncle uh, yeah uh, oh, sweet. And but that's this is when Harvey shows up uh, to talk to Selena and kind of belittles her a little bit, t- tells her to you know make sure she checks in with the parole officer and, and all that kind of stuff. And we get like a tease from Harvey in a phone call in, in a bit that he actually got her released from prison, presumably because he wants to use her as a ploy to make sure he gets reelected by like you know oh, the Catwoman's at large and Harvey's going to stop her kind yeah. of thing or or whatever the exact tactics going to be. But you definitely get that feeling. But basically, Selena's plan, she wants to break into the Batcave, which is heavily guarded, and she wants to do it on election day. And now, admittedly, when she says Batcave, I think, I don't think she's speaking about the cave underneath the mansion. I think she's speaking about where the current, like, Bat police force is operating out of. I could be wrong on this. Uh, uh, It's left unclear, intentionally, I think, that I don't know which one they're going to play it with. Yeah. But you know, the time to election day, so it does feel like the story is all building to like this one big, you know, boiling point. And then we finally get back to the present day stuff, which is uh, her on the rooftop in costume, running from the the, the bat cops, and 
some great panels of her running past the moon and all oh, that. That one full page. Yeah. Uh, where she's she's cut the the smoke uh, down so that the the bat cops are shooting just nowhere near her, and she's but, just off running on the ledge with the moon. It's like a full page splash. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. There's a lot of like. What's funny is the narration more than anything made me think of uh, Batman Year One a little bit. There's a lot of uh, her 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 being mad at herself and saying she's getting lucky reminds me a lot of Batman Year One because that's a lot mm-hmm. of what Bruce's narration is in that. Uh, so I kind of dug that. It's, it's a way to kind of bookend things, but she's. She, but this is her breaking back into Gotham Central. This is her, like, proving to herself she can do it. And she does. And she's there to get into the evidence room. She takes a box of evidence. Uh, and then when she looks through it on, you know, on a rooftop, she she goes through it. Um, and Which, by the way, actually, on the word rooftop, I did kind of like earlier on, Babs used that word. Uh, mm. You know, she says, you know, you, you know, you and him, you know, I always asked them, you know, why, why you? Like, you know, after all this time, why you? Actually, no, I'm thinking of Batman Catwoman. <laughs> that was a conversation in that book. There, there is a lot, there's still, uh, you know, she uses rooftops very derivatively here. Yeah, but yes, yeah, the, the way she uses rooftops and the way the word rooftops is bolded, it does kind of feel like Tom King, through all that rooftops talk and his Batman run, has turned it into a thing. It's, it's turned it into a term that can be used to talk about their romance as them on rooftops, which I, I kind of like, actually. It's At like least a, for now, while yeah. it's fresh enough. Maybe in, you know, five, ten years' time, that'll have faded. But right now, that's it's shorthand. We all know what it means. Yeah. So you know, it's this neat. But she's looking through this evidence box, and she finds what well, looks like a batarang, uh, in there as, as well as other items that she doesn't need. Uh, but this is a batarang that Batman handed to her as he was dying. We get a flashback to Phil's night, and he says, as he's dying, he says, "Cave, bring me the Orpheus." And he kind of dies before he can really tell her what it is. He just says, save the city and hands of this Batarang. Which I'm going to assume is maybe some sort of key. And maybe maybe this implies that it is just the actual Batcave that she's going to break into. Uh, maybe. It's just, it's just it's, to get to that. Clearly important, at least she thinks it's. Maybe maybe the, the trick will be in the end it's not actually that important. But right now she believes it is. What's funny is I'm thinking about what could this be? That when she finally gets to it in the final issue. Like something that Batman intended... Maybe because Batman knows he's dying, and this is like this was always the post the post Batman world that he like like not like a dead man switch, but like in a bad way, but like in a good way where he always planned for something to happen after his death. Maybe that's what Orpheus is. Uh, yeah, but, which right now seemingly the plan after he died was here's all the money to the city, right? Possibly. Yeah. What yeah. if there's something else? So very very curious uh, in what it's setting up. Uh, the uh, police helicopter shows up though and shoots at her. It ends up setting off all these explosives that were rigged by the villains. Uh, and that's what actually kills Batman uh, and possibly does. But there's a sweet scene at the end where she, uh, Babs like, gets a present from from Selina and it's a, it's a it's just a, a box that contains uh, her father's pipe because Gordon is dead as well. Uh, uh, presumably died in the same you know night over the same uh, event as everyone so, else. Yeah. Uh, hence why it was in the same evidence box, you'd presume. Um, and, you know, Babs just kind of, like, you know, gasps at it, and it's kind of a sweet moment. Uh, and, yes, yeah, it's, it's basically the end of the issue. The final page is just a tease that uh, Two-Face is kind of behind this and is wanting Selina to help him get re-elected. So. Yeah. I'm particularly interested in what Orpheus is, you know, given that the story of Orpheus is a... It, it's a fable to not look back, essentially. Mm. It's about you know looking forward and you know mm-hmm. keep moving on and and not like looking back at the past. 
It's the one and thing you can't do or exactly. you lose. Exactly. Yep. And and this here, the idea of, of balancing you know, Orpheus, you know, being that type of thing, and it's like I, I, I don't I don't quite understand what it's going to be, but it, it, it intrigues me just based on that connection. Yeah, I mean, I think the themes of the story so far, it, it kind of feels like it's going to be about Selena, obviously making amends uh, and like clearing her name and all that, but certainly the idea that Batman maybe doesn't want there to be Bat stuff forever and the idea that the police are using his image and all that kind of goes against maybe what he ultimately wanted is that mm-hmm. for them to move on in some capacity. And maybe whatever Orpheus is that she finds... Maybe it is a plan or something to like destroy the image of Batman so that they can move away from it. Uh, this is definitely a very different future to what a lot of Bat future stories tend to do. Uh, yep. This is doing Which a very is fine. yeah yeah yeah. It's his own thing. It's his own continuity. He can do what he wants. Uh, and it's one where it gives Selina kind of this. It's kind of a heartwarming thing. This idea that Selina, after Bruce's death at some point, is going to have to be the one to kind of like do the final, like bat thing like be the one who initiates the final batman ray of hope for the city uh yeah the idea that everyone else is either dead or kind of given up hope like, yeah. like, like babs has yeah because it's, it's the one person who was on the shades of gray to start with who wasn't a hero to begin with who is the one who is now going to fight to make sure the, the final lasting wish of batman is upheld uh, you know there's something sweet about that mm-hmm. uh and rede- you know full of redemption and all the, all that stuff so um yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it was a fifty-page book. I mean, it was an easy read for fifty pages. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I said the same thing about Batman the Imposter last week. That, but it, it it flew in for for the length that it was. Um, admittedly, fifty-page book on a week where I was reading this many books. Uh, yeah, but it was, this is one of the fastest fifty legends. pages. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, but I'm definitely in for issue two. Uh, I had a good time. Um, not I, I wouldn't. I definitely like the imposter a bit more, but this is still really, really solid. I think I am maybe glad that I haven't read the imposter yet because I haven't got that in my mind to compare it against. And mm. not that I'm saying they're actually comparable books because they don't seem to be in terms of no, style, I, but more just they're they're Bath Family books. They're alternate, you know, black label books, prestige. That's basically right? it. They're, they're both Bat Family books that are prestige. But I mean, Batman imposter set in like Batman Year Three. And it's like, right. you know, it's such a young Batman story. They're not really, again, from what I know, they're not really similar in story beats or anything like that. No. You know, or even tone. Just on the release format, essentially, is what makes you compare them. Uh, and, and that they're a week apart. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad I haven't read that yet, so that's not in my mind. If it is as, as good as you're saying, because I, I love this. I really, and I'm a sucker of Cliff Chang anyway. Uh, but just the tone of this and the mood and just the pacing, uh, and, and obviously all the, the art, just just grabbed me. And, uh, and I'm glad I wasn't comparing it to something else as I was reading it to ruin that experience. Yeah. I, I like the uh, the tone of the, of the book. I like, I like the kind of this feeling of sadness and looking back at what happened Very to everyone. Melancholy. Yeah. I, I really dug that. Uh, which is the one big thing that does really separate it from imposters. That, that's not what that feeling is in that book at all. That's a very different... Thing. Mm-hmm. The, the premise of imposter, other than the fact that there's an imposter, is that uh, Leslie Tompkins uh, is like basically says, Bruce, if you don't come here for therapy every night to prove to me that you're not insane, I'm going to turn you in. And that's yeah, the. Pr- blackmails him, oh, uh, I need to read it now. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's a uh, great premise. For, for anyone who has watched uh, Midnight Mass, 
uh, on on Netflix, the, the the new Flanagan show. The um, not therapy, but uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meetings where they just turn into monologues uh, in the first couple of episodes are the best moments of that show. I, I, I loved that stuff. So damn it, especially with that fresh in my mind now, I, I need to read Imposter. It's very good, and the art is. So uh, Sorrentino, right? Yes. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so two great Black Label prestige books started back-to-back weeks. I, I really can't complain uh, when it's some of the, the best stuff, like just in terms of pure quality that is coming out of DC. It's DC, they know what they're doing with this pre- these prestige books. They want that. This is something you can stick on your bookshelf and we will sell copies for the next 30 years. They, they're smart. They know what they're doing with that and I can't blame them because they're damn good. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been more hits than misses at this point, and you know, mm-hmm. there was a time when they went so long after the first couple that I thought Black Label was dead, and then you know, here <laughs> we are. One week where you were like, Black Label is dead. The following week they were like, Here's your Black Label books. Yeah, here's like six Black Label books coming soon. Like, oh yeah, okay, all right, fine, DC, make me look stupid. I don't think it was a dumb thing to say at the time, though. I feel like I was justified in my my skepticism. One week later. One week. I mean, there's irony there, sure, but like, this doesn't doesn't unjustify me. Of little faith. Anyway, what are you rating, Catwoman? I'm giving it a nine. I really love this book. Hmm. I I I don't think I'm going to go quite as high. I'm going to go eight point five. But it is excellent. It's really good. Uh, and uh, yeah, has has been the highest rated thing I've done so far. Uh, this week. So, um. Yeah, check it out. I, I would recommend it. Admittedly, it was kind of weird, though. This is not even the last Catwoman book, but it was weird to me that I had three Catwoman-focused books this week. <laughs> like, it's just a weird character to have three books of in one, one day. You can go times where there's, there's not even a Catwoman book. I know, but we had Catwoman, Batman Catwoman, which we're talking about next, and then also this, and I was like, damn, that's a lot of Selena Kyle in one day. But, hey. Uh, Assuming Batman Catwoman's good as well, which well, you can talk about that in a minute, then that's three pretty good Catwoman books, yeah. That, mm. that, that doesn't happen very often. Well, we'll find out. Batman Catwoman, issue eight, Tom King with Liam Sharp on the art in this one, because Clayman <laughs> couldn't keep up, and maybe he'll be back for the last couple, I don't know, at this point. But, uh, here we are. Wait, there wasn't four different artists on this book? Uh, maybe there was another one. Hold on. No, but... there wasn't. It's just Liam Sharp, Pete. But... It's just Liam Sharp, okay. <laughs> His art, and, and this is, I'm sure, on purpose, is all over the damn place. I, I mean, I think he's probably issue. trying to have the, because there's the three, three timelines at play, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's trying to make each one feel very different. Um, and then you get to the end, and you feel like you know which timeline's which, and then the art changes again. Yeah, I think so. the, the weird thing about this issue is you've got the three timelines, but you have actually, like, one of the timelines actually goes out of order briefly. Yeah, and I thought that was really a weird choice because you've had this like timeline right. structure for the whole thing where we've been doing these two timelines, and which is hard enough to follow, at, you know, month to month, and then on top of that, there's been delays where you have to kind of keep yeah. track of where each of the three stories are, kind of are, and I don't always yeah. remember, right? Because sometimes it's like you know, I'll read a few pages, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm back into where this story was, but it's not something that yeah. comes to me as quickly as maybe when it's just one story I'm following in uh-huh. a book. Uh, but yeah, so so we have. The present day, when I say present, I just mean the middle tier, basically, of time. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, if this is a Christmas carol, right, it's past, present, and future. Yeah, yeah but it was just so what this I'm, is the present. This is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So, uh, this is uh, 
Phantasm and Joker are working together to come and see this guy, uh, mm-hmm. and it turns out to be, do, be to do with a kid. Now, did did we know that her son seemingly isn't actually her birth son? Was that something? No. We, yeah, that's Th- new. This, okay. that, that's a new uh, twist. That confused me a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, because I, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I just didn't remember some big detail or if yeah, this was just a new so detail. Did she kidnap him? That's did the... she? Did... Did she buy them him from the family? I would suspect like, maybe it wasn't her, but it was her family because you know her, yeah. you know her father yeah. and all that. Uh, from what I remember from the movie, so right, right. Um, but yeah, so uh, and we see in the future, uh, Helena Batwoman, you know, meets meets Commissioner Dick, uh, yeah. and they're talking about stuff. And then we see the past, which is Batman chasing Catwoman and demanding to know where Joker is, and all these bad things are happening. Uh, I think what this issue did kind of weird for me, uh, where I'm starting to feel the characterization feel a little bit wonky, is that it's really kind of going out of its way to make Selina like be more of an outright villain, at least to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's kind of interesting. But the so the present day stuff. This is where I was talking about how it jumps ahead because it it goes back to like Joker and Phantasm talking to the family, but we actually jump ahead to the father of the family, who's the only one left standing on the edge of a bridge and Batman and Catwoman come up to him and Joker's basically left him there with his throat slit uh, but alive enough to deliver a message uh, which is just to tell him a joke uh, you know what, what did Sata do when he fell down the chimney and land on his head he went oh 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 you know so it's ho 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 backwards basically right. uh, and then he falls to his death and Selina just kind of yawns as Batman jumps to try and save him and it doesn't work um and old woman Selena is like going to see the Joker's body because Dix had it brought to Gotham, and like yeah, so there's all these things going on, and I have at times quite enjoyed a lot of what this book has done. I thought this issue in particular though was a little bit in the messier side, and the characterization mm-hmm. was feeling a little bit more mean spirited, and I wasn't really Wait, sure what to Pete, take from the, it. That's not the dad, is it not? The dad, no, the dad has dark hair and a dark beard. This guy is a ginger. All right. Because uh, you, you kind of confused me on that, because this is, I read this, one of the first things I read. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, saw, I, I saw that. It's not the dip, but I, it's I, the glasses. I, well, it's the glasses and the goatee. Like, I, I saw the yeah. goatee and the glasses, and I thought it was the same dude. Yeah. And also, Selena's dressed in the, the animated series, so that that's in the past. Was that in the past? That's okay. That's in the past, because she's in the gray... Well, Same. well, here we go. Case in point, I I confuse this entire scene as being the, the wrong timeline. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when you said about the timeline. I was like, did I miss something? Where you said it kind of jumped around? Because uh, he has been a little bit cleaner, but I put that on Sharp's art because it's not as clear. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's trying different things out. Like he's experimenting here. Because I would never say the art's bad. It's just. It feels off in places like that one right there. Like that art doesn't seem to match the other past art, you know? So anyway. Yeah. Uh, so basically phantasm demands to know, like, cause like, that's, that's cause they've got a little boy and like, this, this son's not your first child. And like the mom's like, how did you know that? And basically it sounds like their baby just went missing at the hospital. Right. Which makes you uh-huh. think that, you know, someone, got paid to like steal a baby uh to to give to to andrea and mm-hmm. 
basically once this is revealed and sort of admitted to to a certain point um you basically phantasm takes off her mask says who she is and says you know like basically says she knew like your, your brother right you know my son was your brother or your brother was my son or something to that effect and joker then immediately kills her right you know towards the end of the issue he just strangles uh phantasm and kills her well, and he's strangling yeah he is strangling her i'm sure she's gonna be able to fight but she is the phantasm oh, true. okay yeah, true she's not technically dead yet she's still struggling yeah. when they get the cliffhanger that's true yeah um so this turn of events was kind of weird because i you know like the end of the last issue which i don't remember all that well admittedly I remember Phantasm agreeing to do something with the Joker, but I couldn't really remember what. Uh-huh. So I was kind of murky as to what they were here for, like, the entire time. And then I didn't realize that the baby came from somewhere else, so I was like, oh, wait, what? Uh, so yeah. I had kind of a, just a confusing experience reading that story, mm. um, where I never really felt solidified. Um, obviously, there's the tie-in in the future. Uh, basically, there's a crime scene, a tree, where the Joker's body parts have been put all up this christmas tree um yeah and there was a note found at this, the scene that just said oh, oh, oh which references back to the joke so clearly mm-hmm. this is this is old lady selena who's done this yeah uh so I, she's about snapped so, um yeah so wouldn't does helena calls dick uncle dick which does not ring true to me because that wouldn't be bruce's brother that's like her brother. Um, I kind, I kind so of, like, I kind of get it in the sense that Dick's already an adult before she's even born. So I think it's yeah. more just like the you know how some people have like family friends that are like yeah, uncles or even yeah, but I just, if your age difference, if your age difference yeah. with a cousin is big enough, you might refer to them as an uncle or an auntie because they're just because they're already an adult, so you just kind of think of them that way right. rather no, than cousins. Just, you would just think that you know that. With the amount of times Bruce has called Dick his son, that that would they would have more of a older brother, younger sister, versus uncle. You know what I mean? And just like I don't, I don't know. It's just that one little thing. I'm, I'm go, obviously not reading this. I'm not 100 percent of the timeline, but I would assume that Dick is like almost old enough to be, be the her. father himself rather yeah. than a brother, right? Yeah, that's right, an age thing for just, sure. You know, like I don't know, like if you're if there's a big age difference in brothers and sisters, you know, like that's still your dad's other kid. And it's just a weird thing for me. Like, it doesn't matter at all. It was just a, uh, you know, mm. her just throwing that out there, calling him uncle Dick and him. I did like that. He has Gordon's pipe and he talked about how Gordon was smoking up to his deathbed, you know? And then at when, when they see the, the, the stuff in the tree, he has, Okay, can I have my pipe back now? Because <laughs> Helena took it from him. Um, uh, do you know what frustrate me about this this series a little bit with this issue in particular is that I feel like with the other great Tom King books that we've been dissecting, you know, with Rorschach and Strange Adventures, is that there was a sense of okay, we know what the clear themes of this story are, and we have a sense of where it's. We don't necessarily know what the outcome is, but we have a sense of like what questions are going to be asked as we go into the, the, the climax and stuff. And particularly with the future stuff with Selena, who seems to just be going insane. I don't know, like, yeah. her putting on this display with Joker's body is just, like, complete, like, psychopath levels. And I'm like, 
is this going to be another one like almost heroes in crisis where i'm just going to be annoyed that and it, it doesn't really matter because it's like out of continuity so it's not like a big deal but is it just going to be like this unsatisfying story about her going nuts is that the point of this and if it is the point of this i don't know if this story up until this point has has set me up for that if yeah. that is where it's going because she doesn't have any vibe with that from where we've seen her up until now yeah, because because the stuff in the flashback, like, uh, like you know, the, the the early timeline, everything up until now, yeah, she was this kind of villain character who was starting to question like being around characters like the Joker, and a lot of the later timelines was her thinking back in that and thinking about the world she used to be in, and yeah. before she kind of went more with Batman and turned over a bit of a new leaf, and I felt like this issue, she was acting far more like a sociopath, and those like because she gets really mad at Batman. And this issue, she's like, oh, you just want to know where the Joker is, and Batman's like. He's literally killing people. He's going to poison children. Like, give me some information so I can help. And she's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just a tool. I'm just, you know, I'm just your cat. I'm your, I'm your bat cat. I, I mean, that line was a bit awkward as well, actually. Uh, Big time. Uh, I, I was not a fan of that. But it just kind of felt like she's actively being kind of like, nonchalant about the people she hangs around and then she, and she goes to joker and gets drunk and she's like ah he's always complaining about me hanging around with you and you killing a bunch of people and like yeah. why is she so like sociopathic why does she want to hang around with the joker yeah the main question like early on in the series i feel like it was examining the fact that she did hang yeah. around with the joker and like what that's done to her mentally and maybe right. that's still part of it but now it's starting to feel like they're, they're, they're really painting well, yeah, her in a much worse light than she was before because you see in that the pages that when Joker's putting on the Santa suit, his eyes have these weird red like spirals to him. Mm. And it's almost like she's seeing him differently, you know, and the art changes. And it's another one of those things. But I don't know what that's trying to say with that. This is issue eight out of 12. This is the second act break. And yeah, it's just a. It feels like, unfulfilling if, if, the second half break. If this is the point in the story where, like, in the past, Selena is going to really start to sort of, like, question that she's around the Joker, right. that'd be fine. But th that's not what the, the, the flashback no. story, or the, 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 the past timeline in this issue didn't accomplish that for me. The past in this the timeline in this issue accomplished me thinking Selena's a sociopath. <laughs> like, right. it made her unlikable <laughs> in, the, in this issue. So I'm, right. I'm not... I'm not sure where this is going exactly. Maybe this will all click together. It's possible it might. Uh, I mean, if the whole point of it is, is to examine the idea that Joker has been in her head, and it's kind of almost like a longer, drawn-out Harley Quinn thing, where not, not that she falls in love with him, but more that being right. around the Joker has caused her to go kind of insane. Like, madness. Yeah, there, there's something to that. I don't think that's a bad idea, but uh, it's a bit murky at this point in the story. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what they do next. Uh with this but this was definitely one of the weaker issues for this definitely maybe even probably the weakest uh thus far because this is the only one that i've come out at the end going you know what they're not all been like blow away hits by any means but this is the first one where i came out of it going you know i think i just kind of was annoyed by that <laughs> as opposed to liking it i guess it was only mm -hmm. two out of three catwoman books this weekend and, yeah and, yeah instead of making connor read harley they should make him read this oh please don't promise the heart <laughs> Well, what's funny is that uh, the patron who was making Connor read Harley mm -hmm. uh, stopped making him read books this month, right? That last month was the last month. Uh, but David, who didn't have anything for him, uh, basically said, oh, if no one's making him read Harley, I'll, I'll make him read Harley still. So 
So David stepped in to ensure that Connor will have to continue <laughs> reading Harley Quinn. He's evil. He is a little bit evil at times. I'm glad he changed it because I was like, you know, I was like, all right, I'll read. Because he, he told me something else to read first. I was like, all right, fine, I'll get to that, you know, 10 minutes before we start recording. Cool. I'm well, glad, let's, he, let's I'm glad he changed I'm... his mind before because I, I didn't want to read both. Yeah. I like how Matt was trying to force you along in the I middle was. of the story. Like, you, you clearly weren't finished Let's with the go. anecdote. <laughs> no, because I just remembered he has a Patreon book to do now, and I, I want to get done. I'm starving. I'm also very hungry. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Uh, what are you rating this, Matt? Uh, this is a, a six. Yeah, uh, I'll say six. Uh, yeah, I'll say six. I'll say six. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put it a notch above... Uh, Lantern. All right. Uh, refrigerator full of heads. Issue one. Short. Yeah. This is. Real... Um, what? Good. <laughs> it's the I intro to the I, book, Matt. You I'm know I'm going to say something. It's like the most I, obvious I, time I, to be quiet. <laughs> I have not eaten since eleven o'clock my time. Okay. I'm 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 dying here. So <laughs> three hours ago. I'm running on fumes. All right. And the caffeine has run through. I apologize. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Refrigerator full of heads, issue one. Real years writing with Tom Fowler on the art. And this is uh, uh, a few years, because I, I don't remember when in the 70s, but it was the 70s, the first book. Was it? No, so apparently, according to this one, uh, the first book set took place in the early 80s. It does. The, this one takes place in 84, and they talk about the summer before. Um, well, yeah, but that's the, the pre. That, the first book. Yeah, there's a there's a prologue scene at the start, which is the year before, but that's not the first book. No, 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 no. But go, go in there. They talk about the sheriff on the boat, and he died in a in a boat fire last Fourth of July. Does it say last? I don't remember it saying last Fourth yeah, of July. Yes. When we get to that page, I'll I'll dispute you if it says otherwise. But for now, I'll agree with you. Hold it right now. Uh, so it starts off with uh this scene uh, a year prior which is November 1983 and it's basically another collector of artifacts is being robbed by these vicious uh, this vicious gang of thieves who demand this dagger that's got this engraving and it's said to basically if you stab someone with it, someone with it keep them alive so they'll just feel the pain in this like constant state of like yeah like, so it's shock. it's based off the legend of Fenrir who gets bound and can't move, um, who's the giant wolf that uh, attacks after, uh, during Ragnarok. I think he takes out Odin. Um, he does. He, he but yeah. Odin's death. That's why Odin is terrified of him and why he ties him up in the first place. Right. Yeah, so so, so all that. this family is just traumatized. You know, it's like a, a couple and like their like, teenage kids or whoever. And immediately the villain... Uh, this main woman just sort of says, well, let's try it out, and just, like, stabs the old man with it. And it seems to work. He's still, he's, like, lying there in a bloody pool, but he's still kind of awake. He can still kind of, like, move his hand a little bit, but that's it. Uh, and then they just murder the whole family. And, like, with not with the sword specifically, but with, like, just, like, blowing them away with shotguns. And, yeah. like, it has this brutal scene where you end up, the, the, the final page of it is just all these, like, four bodies lying in pools of blood. Like, this is a massacre. Yeah. Uh, not a slumber party massacre, but a massacre. No. Uh, uh, so you get a scene of the police there, and like the 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 guy who's still technically alive in pain because that's what the dagger does to him, uh, has managed to write something in blood, like a symbol, to sort of give the police like a clue to follow. Um, 
So like, okay, we yeah. have to. We have so to... this house is in California, right? Yes. Which is far from from Maine, where the last story took place. And this house has a similar collection to what the sheriff had, mm-hmm. um, too. So there's all this Viking stuff around them, sword shields, and the the people that are stealing it are very up on their Norse mythology. It looks like they have Norse tattoos. Um, so yeah, so then oh yeah, so they, they know their stuff. Whoever they are, yeah. they're they're clearly gunning for yeah, this particular so item. The the father here that got stabbed before he couldn't you know move anymore. He left a mark, which is one of the tattoos on one of the guys. That's why I brought all that up. Um, that yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see later. Yeah. So then it comes to you know like now, which is July nineteen eighty four, and it is we're back in Maine. We're back in the same town, Brody Island. And if you thought, just before we get into the characters here, if you thought the parallels and the winks and nods to Jaws were heavy in the first book, oh boy. This is, <laughs> this is 40 years ago, unsubtle. <laughs> so, so we find out quite early on that there's actually a shark uh, in the water. And because of that, all the beaches are closed. Uh, and they've been closed for like the, most of the and, summer at this point. And the, because they can't the do anything about it. And a conniption fit about it. You know, and, and, um, and the couple we meet, they're driving. They have to like turn on Shaw Road as well. So just yep. Shaw, yeah. So uh, that on in. that next page, as they're it's where they're describing the shark and whatnot. That's where it said used to be nothing much just happened on on Brody Island, but just last year, our chief of police Wade Clausen, a damn good man, was killed in a boat oh, okay. fire, and his wife was arrested. Fair so, enough. It was last year. All right. Yep. Uh, I don't know what I read. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry I told you. Ma is salty when he's hungry. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm cranky. Nobody likes me when I'm cranky. So. Uh, anyway, audience probably loves it. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So they're basically this old couple are introducing them to this like late house that they've that they've rented for for the week or whatever it is or the summer, and yeah. uh, the woman's a writer. She's going to be finishing her book. Uh, the guy says he's a cheerleader. I don't know if he's just joking though. I, th- I think he's. I think he's implying that he roots on his wife, uh, and yeah. he does all the other work. Yeah, that's definitely what he's saying. That because yeah. they go, she's she's here to write, and he goes, "What do you do?" Oh, I'm a cheerleader. Um, he has some secret skills because, uh, well, we'll we'll see that in a minute. Well, yeah, there's there's actually like a, a twist almost to these characters. Uh, yeah. When they're they're looking for stuff in the water and uh whatnot, but uh, well, not even just that. Before that, they go to this biker bar, and. The guy, for some reason, is noting down all the license plates to the bikes, yeah. and one of these bikers like notices them and like you know grabs the pad and starts beating them up, and he ends up like running like over traffic and like skidding. He fights like them a little bit. He he basically he knocks a, the big biker down. Like, it, he effectively you know, it's a Jason Bourne scene. Yeah, you know he he, he gets into a fight and runs and like you know gets away, and he ends up jumping in the water. And he sees something glowing in the water, which brings him back out there with his wife later on, yep. on a boat, which is very Jaws, because they're in a boat, you know, late at night or early morning in the water. And mm-hmm. what did he see glowing? He saw the axe, which is still sitting down there from the yeah, last story, which... Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, and they bring the axe up, and then they straight up get attacked by the shark. Now, as much as I've been kind of, you know, I've been kind of making fun of it a little bit for the, the heavy Jaws referencing... I did, it did make me smile when they mentioned it because it was so kind of like in your face that they're just doing Jaws yeah. references that blatant. It's all worth it because of where it goes. So they straight up kind of do a couple of Jaws moments where like this the scene from Jaws where uh, Shaw's kind of like lying on the boat yeah. and the 
sharks chomping at him. They kind of do that with the yeah. wife, who doesn't get her legs bitten off, but effectively, one of them grabs the axe and chops off the shark's head. But if you remember from the first story, ladies and gentlemen, what happens when a head gets chopped off with that special axe, the head stays alive. <laughs> so you see like the bloody stump of the rest of the shark fall into the water and this chomping head is still just there and they end up having to chain it up and st- like stay away from it <laughs> because it's this just chomping credit, shark head yeah, credit to the, the artist for writing all the chomps in there oh yeah 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 it, it completely takes over and it's yeah because I imagine the sound of this would be constant it's just like chomp yeah. chomp 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 like trying yeah. to like bite stuff uh do you know what this this made it all work this made it just this justified them having the shark yeah so i i felt a lot of uh as i was reading this like you know i'm like all right they're really going over the jaw saying they don't have this writer doesn't have joe hill's like sense of just like just add little breadcrumbs in there and if you pick up on it cool um uh, i was talking to to a friend on twitter about this who didn't know if they wanted to read it and i was like so if the first volume, if if Basketball of Heads is like a really fun, like low budget movie, then this is the 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 sequel that's not nearly up to level, but it's still gonna be fun. I just feel, you know, like it's just a little bit off. I'm intrigued. I'm I, here for this ride. Yeah, I'm intrigued because obviously these two characters are like you definitely get the feeling that they're investigating something because he was taking down the license plates that you know the, yeah. like the writing's a cover story mm-hmm. so you know we'll we'll see where that goes um when he dropped the biker with a punch yeah and then runs across traffic scrambles and then the fact like they got a house that has a boat specifically for them to take it out and that's where they point out the refrigerator that's on the boat um that's gonna come in handy and you know um yeah, there's definitely something more to these guys. Yeah. Oh, I think the fridge is in the boathouse, not on the boat itself, if I remember I right. It was on the boat. Oh, let me look. Oh, I don't think it makes much of a difference, really, but... No, but it was just very, you know... Um... Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously it's going to get filled with heads. Uh, maybe not the shark's head. The shark's head's too big, but... No, yeah, it, it's, it's hanging up. <laughs> it says, even a refrigerator, it's an oldie from the 1950s, I think, but it'll keep your beer and bait cold. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. No. So... Yeah, no, this was... Fun. Yeah, it was fun. Like, as much as I was kind of like, you know, rolling my eyes at how overt the George references were, yeah. I, it did make me laugh, just like how blatant it was and talking about the beaches being closed. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm kind of interested. And then the characters were kind of getting intriguing because they were clearly had skills that they weren't implying before. So it's like, oh, are they here? Are they, I mean, they're looking for the axe specifically. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like the axe is a happenstance because uh, they're surprised what happens. They're surprised that the shark's head's still chomping. They don't understand it. So. Right. Yeah. Because they don't know. Um, but I also like that the dagger seems to have the same markings as the mm. as the as the axe, and I wonder what else is out there if that's what brought these bikers to Brody Island. Is that they're you know trying to recover? Because if that guy that they killed had the same type of collection as the the police chief, you know, what else is out there that they've already collected? Yeah, so, I mean, is it as simple as they are police hunting down whoever stole that dagger? That feels maybe a bit too obvious, but, I mean, you know, that'd be fine if that's what it was, but there's a little bit of mystery, there's some fun kind of stuff. 
Uh, like also some time period stuff. He was wearing a Frankie uh, says relax it shirt. Says relax, yeah. yeah. And, he, and at one point he says Frankie says jump before he jumps in the water yep. when he's trying to get away from the Baker gang. So there's just there's a couple of little time period nuggets like that. Yeah. Uh, was there not one of those shirts in the first book? There may have been. I don't remember. Yeah, there could have been, but there's just, that definitely like, more not, of a seventies vibe like when. Deja when it, when talking about that exact yeah, when, thing when it said the summer before, I was shocked because it definitely had a late seventies vibe to it. Um, so the fact that it was early eighties was a little bit more shocking, but. If it was supposed to be in the 80s, I don't, you know, that, that would be very much in place. I wonder if the 70s vibe is just because it was referencing Jaws so much that... Could be. And that, you know, that's mid-70s, so maybe that's just what yeah. the, the correlation is. Yeah. I, no, I'd, I'm definitely in for more uh, fridge full of heads. So, or refrigerator full of heads, sorry. I never say refrigerator. No one It's a fridge full of heads. Yeah. A fridge full of heads. Or as I've been calling it all day, in my mind, bucket full of heads. Don't ask me why. They're not those words aren't close. But <laughs> sitting down to read this today, I was like, it's ever bucket full I mean refrigerator full of heads. Look okay, here makes your fridge. Yeah. Like yeah. a bunch of ice in it. Yeah, true. Yeah. At least if you said freezer full of heads, I'd understand. Yeah. Uh all those living heads probably wouldn't enjoy it very much, but you know. Uh what do you think of the art? I mean we mentioned all the the, the, the sound effect chomps from the artist, which yeah, was, was fun. Art, art, solid. Like it, it feels very much in line with Leo Max, but you can tell it's definitely inspired from that. Like they borrowed the the style guide, if you will. Yeah. But it, it's distinct of its own. I, I don't think it's as good as Leo Max. It's not as refined, but it's decent. I, I think it works well enough in the sense that you know I talked about how the massacre felt quite gnarly. All the stuff with the shark and his head cut off felt really fun. Like. It kind of nailed what it was supposed to feel like every single scene in the book. I, n- I never felt like the art was detracting or not helping get across what the tone of the scene was supposed to be and how I was supposed to feel as a reader. So, um, And I think that's a pretty big compliment. It, it just doesn't feel like one, because it's not specific details that I'm talking about. But, you know, I, I, I do mean that as a really big compliment. So, uh, All right, Matt, what are you giving Refrigerator Full of Heads issue one? I'm going to give it 7.5. Yeah, I, I'm happy to give it an eight. I think I had a good bit of fun with this. So, and I think it's refreshing as well because you know you read, you know, four Fear State books, three Catwoman books. It was just nice to have. Oh, here's a story about a shark's head getting cut off. There's a bit of a refreshing vibe to it. So, uh, I'll I'll take that. All right. So the gauntlet is almost over, but Connor does have a Patreon book every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. Our patrons at a certain tier and up, one of the higher tiers, obviously. Uh, get to make myself or Connor read a book, and Connor is going to discuss Undiscovered Country issue fourteen. Yes, I am. Uh, it is the I, I'm assuming the exact same creative team as the entire book because it's uh, it's creator owned, which is Snyder and, and Soul writing with uh, Giuseppe Camicoli and Leonardo Grassi uh, on art. Which yeah, it is. Just just thought to add in there. We sometimes forget on the Patreon books, and that's that's not really fair to them. Uh, a pretty straightforward issue this one actually uh we're in the the land of possibility uh, as we talked about last time and the way through is to create an american masterpiece and th- there's a lot of debate as to what that means does it does it have to be something made in america does it have to be explicitly about america could it be the the american experience does it have to be made by an american are they going to you know be able to do it with the group they've got here and th- that's probably about like half the issue is kind of debating you know what could it be you know what can they make what are they what skills do the group have like none of them are really competent for the most part none of them are really competent writers or 
artists or musicians or anything like that. So they're a little stumped as how they're going to manage. Um, but that's because Val, uh, the journalist, is off separated. She washed up last time on the, the superhero island uh, because all the, all the superheroes are... Basically, all the, all the great American creations exist in this, this realm. Um, so there's the, the island of superheroes. And um, it, it becomes kind of clear over the issue that Val is going to be the one to come up with the masterpiece. Um, so, so she's there, and you know all these. They, they've they kind of malfunctioned a bit. They're, it turns out they're, they're like robots, or as they're described later, zombie robots that are a bit malfunctioned. They're kind of off their loop. They're kind of all like, "We have to save you. You are the damsel in distress." But all of the different heroes, you got like a, you know, a pseudo makeshift Justice League. All of them are arguing that we should be the, I should be the one to save you, and I should be the one to save you, and they kind of like start fighting amongst themselves, and putting her in danger so that they can save her. Uh, it, it's a whole thing. Um, but then there's some more flashbacks to her childhood, you know, growing up reading comics and enjoying those. And it comes down to, ultimately, you know, the, the way she kind of beats them. And the others kind of get a message to, to figure out where she is from her little drone. Sam's like, oh, that's the, uh, I recognize that place. That's the universes. And they're like, oh, yeah, the universe. That'll narrow it down. And he's like, no, no. The universe is it's the place where all the ex extended universes of characters are. It was it was a big fad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A bit, a bit of a you know some self-deprecating humor kind of kind of popped in there. Uh, was it you know the, the makers created things from those big sprawling stories that never ended. The the folks in the fancy costumes with the fancy powers. Uh, but the the wage reason is is when she was younger, she you know was very creative and created a, a character of her own because uh, she, she read all these comics and as many children do you know, they're like hey you know i, I want to be one uh, to the point where even when she was older she got a tattoo on on her wrist of the you know, the, the the logo that, that she gave to her character um, and when the guy was like why'd you want that you know when you don't believe in uh, you know it's, you know it's, it's just nice to have the the idea uh, but so she basically dresses up as this character, and she's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm a villain, by the way." To this, you know, League of Heroes, and they're like, "Well, what are your powers?" She's like, "Well, I got a mega level telepathy. There's no resisting it." And then they kind of just turn on each other, and they're all like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, we're being mind controlled. We, we've been told to fight you." And obviously, there is no such thing happening, but just the the suggestion in this place is strong enough to do that. And, and, you know, she, when they do kind of ch turn up, they're like, hey, we were here to rescue you. And she was like, yeah, I kind of got it. I didn't know if you were coming or not. So I, I figured something out. And they're like, you know, how did you do that? You know, you told me you had mind control powers. Why would they believe you? And she's like, well, kind of do. I'm a journalist. We, 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 we can control minds. It's, it's kind of our job. And uh, it, it's very clear that she's going to be the one to, to come up with the, the American masterpiece to get them through um, bending the truth like a, like a journalist. and. The idea of uh, journalism being, you know, not uniquely American, of course, but the idea of the American brand of journalism can be considered amongst an American masterpiece, along with the works of literature and, and such. Uh, especially if you're an investigative journalist, is is quite an interesting idea. Uh, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this art goes. And that is honestly most of this issue is is, is that there. Um, but, you know, some real nice action sequences as, as we're going through. 
some little back and forth, uh, you know, debates as to you know what what it means, or, you know, what the characters can do. Just again, getting a sense of this this zone, this realm. You know, what what's here? How is it made? Because you know these underwater creation engines, which are kind of likened to three D printers, except they can literally just create anything anyone imagines. Uh, it's uh, no, it, uh, it's a really solid issue. It's like a a good AR ten. And I'm going to put my eye out of his misery now so he can go watch the nights. <laughs> oh, I'm already watching right now. It's okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, why would you expect Matt to be professional and not be watching uh, his hockey how game? How was the goal? Uh, what's up? How was the goal? It, it, good. Uh, it, they, it had a ding around, like a like a pinball, mm-hmm. but it got in. Oh, that's so. all that matters at the end of the day. Well, here's the thing. The Oilers like to run a transition game, but so do the Knights. So it's going to yeah, be back and forth. We're still playing with night. like half our lines injured. Yeah, that's fine. If they're going to be, if the Oilers aren't ready for him, that's fine. You know what I mean? So, yep. All right. Well, <laughs> that will take us on to the final part of the show, which is our, our picks of the week. We pick our favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and uh, rank our top five books. And this week has actually got enough books that top five is actually kind of meaningful. Means something. Yeah. Uh, so, starting off with panel slash moment. Matt, you got something for that? Yeah, it's something from Nightwing, and it's the whole you oracleize the phones. Mm. You really thought that was a good idea? It's such a good uh, dynamic between Dick and Babs that uh, hard for me not to pick it. Cool. Car? Uh, I'm going to go with the full page from uh, Catwoman Lost City. What's it called? Yeah, uh, Lost uh, Lonely City. Lonely City, that's it. Lonely City. blank on the name for a second there. Uh, the the full page of her running with the gunfire and the kind of like the pink sky and the moon, ah, just such a good image. Yeah, I actually have to go with uh, prob probably that first panel and Nightwing of Batgirl and Nightwing going through the sky, uh, and Batgirl being mostly in silhouette, kind of that classic Batman. We can still see her face and the cowl, but the capes just kind of become the symbol, uh, and Nightwing swinging in front of him. Um, I'll, I'll go with. I'll go with that. Uh, cover of the week. Uh, I'll jump in first with this one. Uh, it's probably just going to be the main cover to Lonely City, but I do want to give a shout out to the variant for Nightwing, which is the just the Batgirl kind of like design cover. I, th- I think it's kind of just nice. Um, and I su- I'll give a shout out to the main cover of Superman, Son of Kal-El as well, just because of the simplicity of just the Kent farm being blasted with something. Uh, mm. It's just one of those things where the design's nice and simple. It's just the shot of the building, the capes in the foreground. Uh, nice and neat. But... Ultimately, the Catwoman Lonely City cover, which is her doing her classic sort of jumping pose in front of the night's, you know, sort of skyline. But behind her, her shadow on a building behind her is kind of making a collage of old Catwoman images. Yeah. It's, it's a nice touch. That's a gorgeous cover. Yeah. Which uh, I'm just going to jump in because that's my cover as well. That, that's, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not going to choose anything else. Nothing, nothing else even comes close, I don't think, for that cover for me this yeah. week. Uh, Matt? Uh, mine's going to be the Superman Son of Yellow. I think that's a take on. There was a Superman cover back during Rebirth. Yeah, I don't know. I felt it was the Kent Farm. I can't remember what number it was though, but uh, it even had the cape in the foreground. And yeah. I think it was Superman with blue coming. So it's like a contrasting. It's just a real good cover. I like that one. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's harking back to some other yep. similar Kent style mm-hmm. or Kent Farm style, you yep. know, covers. Uh, cool. All right, best art of the week, Connor. You can go first. Yeah, uh, it's Calum and Lonely City. 
um, Flip Chang just is absolutely on fire. Okay. Um, I will say. I mean, it's probably that too. I'm just, I'm just scanning the rest of it, make sure that I'm not. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's this Cliff Chang. <laughs> it's Cliff Chang on on a uh, Catwoman Lonely City. What you got, Matt? Uh, I got Catwoman. Just the regular. No, I didn't read the other one. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, vanilla. Catwoman vanilla. Yeah, just yeah. regular. Yeah. Not not fat cat. Just just regular cat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Definitely not that cat. And I like Liam Sharp, but this was not his uh, most inspired work. It was too all over the place, I think, for Liam. Yeah, Sharp. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, top five books, Matt. You can go first. Shoot, if I can remember. Uh, number one, Nightwing. Number two, Catwoman. Number three. Oh man, that's a lot of books. I'll say number three, Superman, Son of Kal-El. Number four. Uh, dang. Number four, Refrigerator Full of Heads. Number five, Batman. I think. Connor. Yeah. So Catwoman, Lonely City. Then Nightwing. No, no. Then Catwoman. Then Nightwing. Then Superman's on a Kal-El. That's four. What am I missing? Batman. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess Batman comes in fifth at default. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going Catwoman, Lonely City at number one. Uh, number two, Nightwing. Number three. Refrigerator full of heads, number four, Superman, Son of Kal-El, and then number five, The Flash. Yeah, that's that's my five. So, cool. Nice varied week. Uh, different opinions uh, throughout. Um, that said, there was a lot of sevens and scraping eights. You know, there wasn't as many standout books, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll take this over a week of disappointments. <laughs> Uh, yeah, quite happily. Matt, Matt's watching all of our disappointments right now. <laughs> that was the that was the zaniest uh, thing of zaniest. Uh, I can't even think right now. It's just that disappointed. Yeah. Well, what happened to our PK? PK uh, used to be strong. Not in a long time, Matt. Uh, P- no, P- PK. PK was good. PK. Oh, BP. Oh, no, you're right. PP soft. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. PP oh, soft. PK strong. I mean, yeah. if your PP is not soft, I would go to a doctor because it sounds like it's something. Oh, the, the knights, the knights PP way soft. So, yeah, it really is. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually, I don't know if I'd describe a liquid as soft, but uh, it's definitely not a hard thing. <laughs> so, uh, PK disappointing. Mm. That's not like them. It's that character. I have no idea what is being said right now. So this is time for me to tell you what's coming next week yeah, from yeah, DC is. Comics. Yeah. Uh, so coming next week we got Detective Comics 1044 we got Robin issue 7 Wonder Girl issue 4 I'm, you know, I'm happy to see Wonder Girl back it feels like it's been ages uh, yeah. Harley Quinn issue 8 Connor uh, <laughs> not next week but we'll get to it yes uh, Batman the long Halloween special issue 1 so that's kind of a special Batman uh, Loeb said he wants to do more as well doesn't want it to leave it just this oh dear well we'll see how that goes but uh, that's our Halloween special for that coming up uh, Task Force Z issue 1's out next week, as is DC V's Vampires uh, issue 1. So we get we get two really gimmicky horror DC books. appropriate for Halloween week. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's weird they're both coming at the same day, but I mean, I suppose if they're going to come in the same week, then... Props to DC for scheduling them appropriately. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Deathstroke Inc. issue 2 is out. Checkmate issue 5 is out. Matt, I'm sure, will force himself to read that, even though he's not really enjoying it that much. Uh, I was Deathstroking. That's solid. No. I haven't checked that out yet. Ah, that was an alright no, issue one. So good. Yeah, I was, okay. I was into yeah. that. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a half Birds of Prey book meets Deathstroke. <laughs> it's kind they of tease weird. Deathstroke and Canary going to space. Uh, I'm, I'm sold. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Wonder Woman Black and Gold issue 5. Aquaman The Becoming issue 2. Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target issue 1 is next week, if you remember that. It was going to start. Uh, Batman Fortnite One Shot Issue One. Yeah, good luck uh, with that. Uh, Ruby Justice League Issue Seven rounds out the list. Um, it's a healthy week. It's not as quite as uh, overstuffed as this one is, which is nice because I got Patreon books to do. Um, uh, it so does. Right, it's still like ten books and Batman Long. Yeah, Halloween. I I'd probably be staying out of the ocean next week if I'm picking up vampires and Task Force Z. Oh, well, I don't. A long Halloween. Well, I don't so. have ten books. I, I mean, I, I have like eight. But I mean, I'm still. I meant, I meant assuming everyone reads their books. It's like ten. But I mean, I, yeah, I'll probably not read that command of becoming. Uh, yeah. Two. I, I hate, I'm else. gonna keep it at that because I can't. I can't do this again. This, this <laughs> is too long. Too long. My butt's numb. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, deep target. I guess I'll try and try <laughs> because it's an issue one. Uh. But I can't say I'm like chomping at the bit for it. Uh. But I am looking forward to the other issue ones, though. And I'm looking forward to Wonder Girl and the Long Halloween special. And So, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of fun stuff coming out next week. Uh, so, cool. Uh, but yes, uh, so that is what's coming next time. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, Al Traisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, Excelsior. Um, you mean Excalibur? Oh, no. All right. Uh, no. So, uh, <laughs> terrible. So, thank you to to those those people. Uh, but you can also, of course, uh, support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar per month. Uh, patreoncom slash TV and help support all the content. At uh, the five dollar tier, in particular, you get early access to the the podcast at the bad day, give or take. So, you know, if you want to go and support and get it when it's fresh out the oven on a Saturday, uh, late, very late for UK folk, kind of middling time for like Eastern. And then Pacific for the Pacific time zone, you get it kind of early afternoon, I suppose. So I mean, for you, it's not too bad. Oh no, no, no! It's more early evening by Pacific time zone. Yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to set expectations. Now I'm thinking about Is this it. This from right now. No, for tomorrow. That's for tomorrow. Oh well, then just look. We're a day early. You can put it up nice and early for everyone. No, I'm not because no, I don't want to, I don't want them trained to think it may go up that early on a regular right, basis. Love. <laughs> shop so yes uh, Patreon check out Patreon but you can support us for free by simply hitting the like button subscribing dinging the bell for notifications uh, and all that stuff on YouTube if you listen to the audio version give us a 5 star review uh, on iTunes or Podcast Addict or wherever you listen to your podcast uh, and of course share us out on your social medias you can find us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast and uh, that about does the plugging and I can see Matt's just like get through all this get through it all it's done Matt I'm about to say the final lines, okay? Thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Pete, would you like to talk about Halloween some more? (laughs) I would love to, Connor.